0: Assalamualaikum and welcome back to the Muslim-centric podcast where we hope to educate, inspire and entertain on issues relevant to Muslim life and I'm your host Aman. So this episode is from Ramadan 2017 and we recorded it the night before Eid. It was a conclusion to the episodes that we'd had in the preceding weeks where we were particularly covering the theme of Cradle to the Grave. Uh, just to add a bit of context around that time, Glasgow was having Eid on two separate days, so not too dissimilar to many places the western world particularly and so some of the jokes and comments are in context of that uh, we decided to have a slightly different format and we had a number of guests and a panel and the guests included Sheikh Ahmed Jamil a resident scholar so who's Scottish born and uh, the founder of iSyllabus we had broadcaster and fundraiser Naim Raza a medical doctor and GP Dr Nadim Bertie Islamic finance expert Omar Sheikh, a university graduate and a Radio Ramadan presenter Ramiz Mahmood and also my co-host Umar Amin. As you'll notice it was quite a light-hearted discussion but also one where we reflected about our own stage in life coming out of Ramadan where it's particularly an opportunity to look at one's life. As you'll see it's a longer episode and I'll put some markers in the episode notes so you can jump to the relevant section but I hope you do find it beneficial Having listened to it again in 2022, I think there's still so much that's relevant and I hope you enjoy the show and have a bit of a giggle and a laugh at times. I'll list some of the many, many topics that we covered. So we spoke about the origin of croissants, what people call Dr. Bhati, organising a charity cycle from Scotland to Syria, about people driving to Pakistan from Britain. We discussed a little bit around Sheikh Amr's travels and the pursuit of knowledge and also an anecdote about Sheikh Razwan Muhammad. We speak about careers, about meeting Muhammad Ali, the boxer, nurturing role models and having courage, the lost practice of waqf, the aspect of islamicizing and muslimifying, if that's the word, everything, Eid prayer times in Glasgow, a bit of a giggle there as well. We then did a quiz amongst the panellists and you can probably guess who won or who didn't do so well. We also asked the panellists who would they like to have dinner with and what advice would they give to their younger self we speak about the experience of seeing Asian people on British TV for the first time. We speak about midlife crisis, particularly for Naim, and we cover so many other topics. I do hope you enjoy this episode and we'd love to hear your feedback, especially the format and content. And if you'd like to hear more of the same, the best way of contacting us is either through our Instagram, Facebook, or you can even email us at muslimcentricpodcast at gmail.com. As I've mentioned, this episode was originally broadcast on Radio Ramadan Glasgow in Ramadan 2017, and you can find out more about them on their website www.rr365.co.uk. And if I could also ask a little favour, that if you could rate, review, like, and share the episode wherever you listen, as it does help other people find the show. Remember, you can follow us and contact us via our social media, and I look forward to speaking to you next time. alaikum and welcome to Radio Ramadan. 87.7 FM You're listening to This very special show tonight um, As you know many weekends We've been having this show Along with <laughs> so we, we, we've, got, we've got the troublemakers In studio already man So we'll get We'll make a move uh, We'll get a start And introduce everyone So tonight Although we've called it Let's talk about life Tonight is the night before Eid For many people So firstly Eid Mubarak to you all And if you do want to tune in uh, And actually watch Some of the antics going on In the studio If you go across to Our Facebook page Um, But it's a slightly different one tonight. So if you go to McMuslim TV, that's M-C-M-U-S-L-I-M TV, search for that. Um, We're on Facebook Live there. Uh, So McMuslim TV, you can tune in. And watch some of the antics going on in the studio and we've got a bit of a blast from the past And we've got other guests joining us um, But this is an interactive show So we do want you to call in Many of the weekends where we've been discussing quite serious and heavy topics With Sheikh Amr on the Cradle to the Grave series um, Just due to limited time We've tried to keep the focus, uh, you know, discussions focused So we haven't been able to take callers live But tonight
1: it's a bit of a free-for-all Dr. Nadeem
0: Bharti, Asalaamu
1: Alaikum Asalaam, how are you? Not bad, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Nice to be in. I know. Thanks for calling me in. You were,
0: and, and we should tell people you were supposed to join me in the show. <laughs> right
1: the yes, when you yes. pulled out. <laughs> I pulled out. I thought, what am I going to add to this? <laughs> what can I actually see? I did another show called Journey to Success, That's right. which was just a kind of uh, interview show. And um, I think that was enough for me this year. That, but that was, um, the, it was a good experience. But I thought nice. we need to
0: get you in the studio. So. Thank you. Thank you. Um you, Nadeem. Eve tomorrow or Monday? Inshallah, tomorrow. Okay, okay. And uh, our next guest is probably—it's a bit ironic because when I interviewed him, he told me <laughs> that he was the first ever voice in reading Ramadan. So this was the last. Big, big, <laughs> if I've listening name, it may well be the last. But it's. Um, Big Papa Other names You've got various other names But Naim Raza Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Really nice to have you in I know you've been travelling a lot as well Honestly I
2: don't think I've been in the studio For at least six, seven years Minimum I think prior to that At least You know Yeah it's been about A good few years Since I've actually sat here I know you came to interview me at the house Uh, so it's rather strange yeah. But fantastic <laughs> we used to normally Dim the lights by the way And make it look really You know A zone kind of oh, no. I like to see your, The white of your eyes Now Yeah, that's, that's the noor From our face I don't <laughs> With the whites <laughs> of eyes.
0: But is that okay And Sheikh Hammer's joining us uh, I think there's actually A problem on the motorway
2: I think he's just waiting To see the tone of the programme And then just <laughs> yeah. <on> to,
1: <laughs> to save his reputation It's been an accident <laughs> Have to go back
0: But it's interesting Because uh, I was just hearing From uh, uh, like Albert Drive, there's chock mm-hmm. a block and the cars up and down. I and, thought the uh,
2: police were down there tonight from yeah. about 4 o'clock onwards, yeah. patrolling the whole, the, you know, people are driving by, we're shooting videos, so somebody must have said there's an E tonight, mm, <laughs> so absolutely. get out there. <laughs> so, exactly and Brother Umran, Amin is also
0: joining us, in inshallah. So, firstly, let's do a bit of introductions, Let, let's hear a bit about who you all are, and I don't know who wants to start.
3: Hmm. Everyone suddenly looked down, like adopting well, eye contact. Let's go with yourself, Ramiz. Because um, we spoke so what, would you like, so, what would Ramiz, you like to know about me? Tell us a bit about yourself and um, who you are, what you do, involvement okay. with Radio Ramadan. Um, so yeah, my name is Ramiz Mahmoud I'm 22. I work as a software engineer. So I graduated last year from Strathclyde University. Currently I work for Sky as a software engineer during my grad scheme. Uh, my involvement in Radio Ramadan began around three years ago, where Brother Shaka asked me to do an iftar show once a week. And every week, he said, "Listen, here's your guest this week. Here's your topic." I'd go, so there's no need to prepare. You've got a guest. So I'd walk in, and then about five minutes before each show, the guest wouldn't turn up. Um, so I'd had to come up with my own show. And I think they liked how I was able to come up with stuff on the spot. Offered me drive time last year, and then I did it again this year. So that's my radio Ramadan journey.
0: And, you, and that, that's one of the most popular shows. You get a lot of callers. Yeah. <coughs> you've got this great guess the sound, um, and also you've got a competition. Yeah. And you, you've got two of the other brothers. Uh, Amer and, Delias.
3: Amar and yeah, Elias. Yeah, so we're a good good trio.
0: And you know what scared me recently? You did a tiebreak, and you said the tiebreak was what year was I born? Hey guys, guess what year. Ramiz was born I
3: mean I did say my age So if you were listening You should be able to work <laughs> out But Yeah he, he said, And then also I'd like to know how old you were In that, that year <laughs> as well.
0: well Well that's what made me feel real He said <laughs> I was born in
3: 1995 95 oh, 95 yes so, oh, so I think Reader Ramadan that in 96 Was it the name Yeah I'm a year older Than Reader Ramadan Yeah, yeah. Gosh.
2: At that stage I'd have spent more years on earth Than he spent now Yeah yeah <laughs> So that made me feel really old
0: as well because I thought, wow, you know, somebody's born in the nineties. So, <laughs> Masha, so, um, you know, I think a lot of your passion, your youth, and you're obviously great on radio as well, uh, and the show from all the brothers. And you've been out sort of delivering a lot of cakes and stuff. You do, yeah, we the, have. We
3: did our final delivery today. Um, our Islamic Leaf, our, our show sponsor. I think they alone today had around six hundred cakes in Scotland to deliver. So very popular, our show as a whole had, you know, loads as well. Did you get all the leftovers, no? No, unfortunately, I didn't get any cake this whole Ramadan. <laughs> so if anyone is listening and has any cake, we're on 70 Coplow <laughs> Street. Uh, please do feel free to bring some in.
0: Fantastic. Tezakallah khair. Thank you, Ramiz, for yeah, coming along. Um, and you and know th-
3: what, that might just happen. Because
2: I remember the years I was on here and you say you are not know, really fancy a pizza and right enough, somebody of you been boxing up <here. laughs> the pizzas, And you're like, <laughs> I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well I like caviar but I don't think anybody's gonna bring me any of that. I've, I've had let's, this
2: before call up for anybody out there with caviar. Actually I've never had caviar but my name, you, 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 been you been hang about been. with these
0: rich and famous people. Had, you, you, <laughs>
2: thinking, I think, you know what, I think I might have had a spoon once. <laughs>
1: I've had it. It's you not. It's not up too much. Not got much. Bring it through. Like, Let's try it. <laughs> but I have had a craving for croissant for some strange reason. I don't know why this Ramadan. Yeah, you know. It's so crazy. I, it? I don't know what it is. <laughs> Do you know,
2: a nights ago I was in London and at my yeah. aunt's house and she gave me a croissant to take home. Yeah. She said, "Have this for breakfast. Heat it up for ten seconds. I'll tell you, it's the best I've ever had in the world. It's from a shop in Chichester.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's a layers of. Yeah. You know, not mm-hmm. right, normally get cross really hollow in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was just phenomenal. I'm trying to find the name of the shop.
0: Well, you know, you know why it isn't a theme? You want cross because you're so, such a spiritual boost in Ramadan. Yes. And the cross into the shape of a crescent. The crescent. So you started to want Muslim food as well, in it.
1: Mind you, you know uh, what I've heard. I had uh, another a story, story behind it. I know. Yeah, you, you know. Well, you know this. what you want to tell the story or yeah, the story? The,
2: the Spanish acquisition, isn't it? Mm-hmm. to is something along that line. Nadim, the you tell us the that's story. Well, the, the French thingy.
1: Well, I heard the story was is when the Turks were going to yeah, yeah, yeah. get into Vienna and they were repelled at the gates. So the people in celebration actually made these corsons. made these corsons so corsons so in the shape of a them. crescent. Yeah, and yeah. ate them
2: it's actually true <laughs> then we went, that's why I used to want hear so it. A lot. I'd be interested in to hear some of those stories tonight the conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> we should have got my friend Sammy
1: on. He's very big into she all that. that. Yeah, if he's listening in, Sammy, you need to phone in and tell us some of those uh, conspiracy is theories. It's F- like April
2: Fool's Day. Oh, yeah.
3: There's a big conspiracy theory about that meme. Yeah, it's haram to oh, say yes. April Fool's Day because, uh, because yeah, people killed Muslims with croissants yeah. or something like that. <laughs> they killed them with croissants. Well, but
2: overeating is... Like that? That? I like, like that. There's definitely a There's definitely a connection. <laughs> so, Nini, mm. tell us a
1: bit about yourself. Alhamdulillah, well, well I'm uh, Nadeem Tajpati and uh, I'm a GP and Nadeem I work what? In Nadeem Tajpati. Oh, is, the the ta- ta- taj- is really important? Isn't the taj- it? I don't know why I started... It's only since I've done this Journey to Success program. Midlife I started taxes. putting the Tajan in the middle. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's something. I don't know why I've been picking the Tajan for some odd reason. Um, and how do you pronu- patients pronounce your surname? Oh, I've had everything. Cool. Ba- Bati Batu uh, uh, Second one Fati Bati uh, That was a school, that, your school bully that was a school bully? yeah before I was getting my face pummeled by the school bully Fati <laughs> bye, bye. There you go <laughs> Take that was and, like and what's the Daisy pronunciation? Pati. Oh, yeah, Pati. 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 Well, I don't know, Pati. Sometimes it's just Pati. Pati Sab. Which is, uh, I quite like, actually. <laughs> Pati
2: Sab. So, sorry. so, we, so
1: we, got, we got as far as your name. My so, name, so, yes. You're a, you're my a name. Oh, oh, I forget. Remember, I remember they had that program years ago. Uh, it, it lasted the summer wine and there was Nora Bati in it. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I had such a hard time with that name. Nora, but, uh, Nora Nora But no, I'm a GP I'm in uh, the West Are End of Glasgow Are you a GP or a PhD doc? I'm a, No, I'm a proper doctor I'm a proper doctor uh, So I'm a GP And uh, yeah, and I, my, actually funnily enough I don't have a huge connection with Radio Ramadan But uh, I remember when Radio Ramadan first started And I think you obviously started I was in London at the time and I phoned up Glasgow and I used to phone back to see how my dad was and my dad was so excited that year. And I goes, well, What's going on? He goes, Oh it's a radio shuru eh the bra you know bra enjoyable. Bada enjoy kare. And actually he mentioned you your name. And he said, Oh bra kam kar rea, you know, bra kam karya You know uh, so I and I remember did I did if only you were like name. If only you were like oh <laughs> if I, I had got a that like name <laughs> Does I think everybody that went to uni gets that. Uh, तेरे तू क्या कम करते you
3: know, I got that from everyone. Did, <laughs> Did you get any of that? Uh, thankfully, I've not had any of that yet. No, no, you've been no. lucky. <laughs> My parents don't want me to be like them. No. <laughs>
1: No, but Alhamdulillah, that was the, I was in London, and I remember good memories of that. Of when Radio Ramadan started, and it was like a real impact. Like, what? What is this? This is, and I, I came up going, what is this? What's this Radio Ramadan? What's going on up there? So, Alhamdulillah, I think it was, was it somebody got me involved about five six years ago. Um I think it was umjid and uh or somebody else on one of the twilight programs i 'm sure you were still twilight on zone. twilight zone yeah i 'm sure you were still um, involved yeah, in a few yeah. and uh, I know. had a great time, you know I thought this is really yeah good fun excellent so Thank you So
0: and, and another guest Has joined us in studios Umran Who's been a big regular For our weekends But <clears throat> Salam Umran You're coming a wee bit late But which day are you Have you decided a good Which good day you e- Put on for tomorrow
4: <laughs> Yeah sorry Just sorting my hair out uh, no, I'm going to be celebrating tomorrow Sunday, inshallah. No, I'm very Nigerian, sure. very sure. The Nigerian Fatwa <laughs> Council has also celebrated. Uh, <laughs>
1: Was that, that Prince also... Alagui? It ch- uh, changes you also said, "Spend, bring another two thousand pounds and a cheque.
2: I saw that poster. today. what's that name? The... I saw the post from Nigeria and <laughs> they said that because they've shown a certificate that they've seen the moon that everybody in Birmingham should change <laughs> their stance of you know fire, celebrating Eid Monday and doing Sunday instead. Of all the countries I thought Nigeria mashallah <laughs> things are changing.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um and I guess we've got another guest who's come <laughs>
2: I say, the Mald- the Maldi's always late But <laughs> We should uh, pay our respects I, th- I think he was listening to the, the show on the way to think well, Is it worth my welcome <laughs> <laughs> so- I I'll say it's an accident as <laughs> Assalamu alaykum <how>
0: As-salamu <laughs> alaykum
5: Actually that thought did uh, cross my mind <laughs>
0: But you got stuck in the motorway, there's uh, I some I got
5: stuck, traffic. I did actually get, oh, is that, it's crazy, the, the, the is traffic Oh, the Eid traffic The traffic on the road, it's like, as if it's like Oh, six you know and what I was, Stone Roses,
2: Roses were playing at Hamden today Really? Yeah oh. Sorry, I don't know if anybody knows who they are, but they're a big band <laughs> <laughs> So, Sheikh, um, As-salamu alaykum,
0: welcome I was asking for declaration of interest, so Eid tomorrow or
5: Monday for you? It's one of the two, is isn't it? Oh, not, are you not committing yourself? <laughs> well, I, uh, a couple of years ago when there was uh, a split, I think after many years there was a split in Glasgow. And obviously people were asking, should we do this, should we do that? And I realised that um, whatever I say could have an influence on quite a lot of people, especially my students. So I didn't want to put them in a predicament where um, they're going against their family or something like that. So I just basically gave simple advice. I said, look, okay. this is something that scholars have differed on. So just you go with your local mosque or go with your family, whatever. So I'm quite, I'm quite flexible on these things. So my po- since then, my policy was if there's a split, then I won't uh, declare what I'm doing just in case it puts... But, but if somebody sees you at a mosque tomorrow... No, Alhamdulillah, no. You, you, the thing is I could be praying Nafal in it no, no, the you, date- could be, you could be giving the khutbah one of the most tomorrow That's true as well <laughs> Actually,
0: The other thing is Facebook Live, right? We're on Facebook Live um, Facebook.com And if you go to Muslim TV We're streaming from that page today If he's eating after 30 time
2: You'll know whether he's keeping, <laughs> keeping a
0: fast Offer him
2: a tea at three for
0: <laughs> and Everyone bring a cup of tea he's and a, a hobnob and a cake. <laughs> So Remember this is an interactive show So do please give us a call If you want to get in touch Or have got some comments Or anything you wanted to say uh, Today's a bit more of a light hearted show A bit more unstructured Our telephone number Ramiz
3: Just move this microphone in my way It's 01413753434
0: Absolutely And you can uh, post some comments as well On Facebook live and on our Facebook page But yeah so let's get let's get going So one of the first things That I asked each one of you to do is that we're going to ask each other a question, right? So I don't know if you any of you have prepared this. So I've what, got my question ready. Right. So what? Sheikh what do you need? <laughs> <laughs> so the the idea is that each guest asks each other guest a question. You can't all ask Sheikh Hammer right questions, or <laughs> you have to ask each other. So who wants to get kick off first? Actually, I'll, I'll. Can I kick off, and I'll give you guys a bit of time to think, and we'll do that throughout the show. So Rameez, is okay. actually, actually a question for you? The first I got to know you was the cycle to Syria that you did. Okay. Okay. Yep. And I think that was an amazing sort of thing. And the other thing that stood out for me was seeing Naim and Lycra in those mm. pictures.
3: Very <laughs> yes. scarring. Which was quite
0: traumatic for yes. me. But tell us a bit about what you, what you did and what was the most memorable thing about that whole journey, that cycle to Syria. And um, uh, that was a few yeah. years
3: ago. You still a student. 2014. So, yeah, I was still a student. actually, we left the day after my last exam that year. Um, So, me and my friend Hassan, we thought, okay, we want to do something about what's going on in Syria. It was 2014, so a lot of people kind of knew what was going on, but a lot of people still didn't really know what was going on. So we thought, we need to do something that will not only raise charity, raise money, but also raise awareness about it as well. Um, And as a joke, someone came up with the idea of cycling from Scotland to Syria. Um, So again, at the start, we treated it as a joke and then started looking more and more into it to see if it was actually possible, and we then kind of went from there we spoke to multiple different charities everyone kept on just laughing at us and turning (coughs) us down naeem was the only person who actually thought we could possibly do this so we worked with human appeal and um i think naeem will agree there's a lot of things that went wrong oh yeah stuff that we just didn't anticipate (laughs) because no one no one had done anything like this before we we, we Um, certainly
2: had done anything like that before from human appeals perspective we've done challenges but nothing at this level and uh so it was a learning curve every day we were picking something up. we
3: wanted to do today? Yeah, um, like finding out where we were going to sleep that night. Um, one of the memorable things, actually, near the start, and Naim was part of this memory as well. So we were in Buckinghamshire, I believe, and I'd actually sad fallen that day pretty badly. I was in hospital all day, cuts everywhere, couldn't cycle that day. And then as we were sleeping, we were camping, and it started raining really badly, and all the tents got flooded. So Naim actually slept in the toilet that night, I think, in yeah. the cubicles. Yeah. And a bunch of us just kind of did stuff like that and slept over there. Um, other than that, I think the memories I suppose just yeah. kind of each border you go past yeah. is another kind of milestone um, I said you're a psychiatrist right so if you can work on trying to get the image of names and like right out of my uh-huh. head I'd really appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> and how much did you raise? we raised I don't know I mean, the figure was always going up I think
2: I think At between least. them they managed to get it was 200 and something it's wow. yeah. so over two hundred. a number of different
3: so, phenomenal uh, just getting yeah, pages yeah. linked yeah.
2: together from what I remember and
0: actually it reminded me a little bit about Some of the elders, and Nadeem, you've been particularly involved in some of this work in terms of uh, the stories of our elders that, you Mm -hmm. know, came from abroad and migrated here. And a lot of them used to drive back to Pakistan and stuff and actually got a
1: car. Yeah, and so, uh, in fact, I've done that. I did that in nineteen seventy. 1970, sorry, nineteen seventy-three. Actually, we did that. We went from Glasgow to Pakistan. You were driving yourself. I was. <laughs> no, <laughs> I had one of those red, yellow kind of buggies. No, we we, we had a Volkswagen. Uh, you know, one of these. In fact, the we had this Volkswagen van. Who's we? Uh, so my family. With were you, were parents. And my parents. Yeah. So it was my dad, uh, me, a couple of cousins. And uh, the funny thing was, we sent the women folk by air, and then we decided to go by th- on, in this Volkswagen kind of camper van. And the van that we had was like a green and white one, uh, so it's quite appropriate for Pakistan. And I've seen exactly the same van in now in the museum at the transport <laughs> museum. <laughs> so, you know, so. But we went by roads and it was, I mean, it was amazing. I think I was seven at the time. And we went through Iran when it was still under the control of the Shah. And we went through Afghanistan with the roads and going through the mountains and everything. And then I only found out uh, as a few years ago, I started doing a kind of thing for my kids, like a kind of life story autobiography. And I found my old passport and I didn't realize I'd actually been to Sarajevo. We'd actually mm-hmm. gone through it and I found it stamped. The passport was actually stamped, yeah. and the passport was actually one that had, I had a Pakistani passport as well, and it had Urdu and uh, Bengali. Uh, written there and oh my god so it was like a real by the way I'd recommend this you know if you go back over your life and each year you write down the milestones that happened and put it together suddenly all sorts of stuff was coming out Um, so yeah so we did that and a lot of people did that in those days and it wasn't just that Um, it wasn't just Pakistanis who did it let's face it we did it probably because we wanted to save money (laughs) <laughs> and you know it must have been quite expensive then to get an air ticket uh, but a lot of Scots people did that and they called it the hippie trail and they did that from uh, Scotland all the way through to Australia and uh, so it was quite a common thing and a lot of these guys have met them since they've been you know they were going through <coughs> Afghanistan and places like that and they they were quite you know they had a great time my dad's brother made that trip did he yeah
2: that was the uh, same kind of era actually Early seventies, yeah, it's quite yep. safe to travel in them. A lot of yeah. people are doing it in them mm. days. It's quite yep. safe to do it. Yeah, Um obviously you couldn't try that now. Yeah. <laughs> but that links in. Uh, that although it would be quite yeah, adventurous.
0: I'm just going to be do, be do a bit of a shameless plug in the theme. Something you've been involved in with the cultural heritage. They're doing an exhibition. Oh, yeah and um, they're launching actually an exhibition um, uh, which is like at the Scotland Street Museum yep. uh, and it's launching on the 12th of July along yes. with the Glasgow Museums and I think you've provided some of the yes. images and yep. stuff and yep. part of that is celebrating the the amazing stories of our elder generations Absolutely. from South Asian uh, um, subcontinent and coming to Scotland. But Sheikh, in one of the shows that you were interviewed uh, I think along with your wife you talked a bit about travel. you used to travel quite a bit for Syria for like 20 quid and stuff to all these neighbouring <coughs> oh. and I think were you trying to say to your wife Look this is an adventure we're going on Or were you just trying to save money <laughs> You travel quite a bit around
5: Yeah 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 So uh, I think like what Naim's saying it's There's there's an adventure to it as well So um, See the, I think that what happens A lot of the time People are afraid To go into the unknown You know people like to stay in their comfort zone I always say to people Look get out Get to of Glasgow Right all you've ever seen is the M8 There's more to life than the M8 And the Kingston Bridge Seriously uh, and the thing is, you're kind of afraid because that's all you've ever known. But you need to venture out if you want to really expand your horizons. And anyone who's travelled will know that. So, I mean, I was living in uh, in Syria um, for a number of years, and it was effectively a police state. So, you know, you're seeing what's happening in the news now. But I know the context of that because I lived there. I knew exactly what was going on. I knew what scholars were saying internally, and it was a it was a very different experience from being. "Quote unquote" in the free world, um, where you're allowed to say anything. I mean, there you could not say anything political. Uh, half the half the taxi guys were working for what's called the Mukhabarat, like the 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 the, the government secret service. Ser- mm-hmm. Secret service. So this this up a, a conversation with you, but you know, you'd they'd come across very nosy, um, and they see they try and get your kind of opinions. And if you were anything politically inclined and said the wrong thing, you'd get reported. So we had to study in very difficult circumstances. I remember, I mean, one of my sheikhs who actually ended up getting killed by ISIS um, because he refused to um, join them and he was refuting them. I remember when uh, um, when, when I used to go to his house to study with him, uh, sometimes he'd say, look, there's been a few people asking about, so what to do is phone me before you come. So I'd phone him and I'd say, say, sheikh, uh, shall I bring breakfast today? And that was our code. That should I come today or should I not come today? I mean, these are the kind of circumstances we went through to, to gain knowledge and bring it back to the class when you have people that don't turn up to your classes. so You don't, you don't <laughs> oh, feel... anybody particularly... You, don't, you don't feel... Uh, you, you know, and you, you just wish that people had an insight into some... Of the, I mean, Sheikh Rizwan, a very humble person, he'll never tell you half of the things he went through. I was there when uh, he first got his first slip disc And I went to visit him, Uh, I found out, and I went to visit him. It was basically, (laughs) you could call it a house, right, but it was more like a dungeon. It was really, it was was basically, it was like a basement. I remember when I visited him, there was a hole in the wall, and I said, what's that? And he goes, oh, that's probably probably where we're going to put the the window. He actually bought a window from the marketplace and put it in himself. So he was like, I went to visit him, and he was lying on the ground, and uh, it was pitch dark, and all I could see was this lamp and he had um, he had his books. He just had a big pile of books, and he was reading these books on the floor. Oh. I said, "What happened to you? Because oh, I've got a slipped because so He was two weeks. He was like that. You know, wow. these are the kind of circumstances that, that people have gone through to gain knowledge. Um, so it was it was a very interesting um, time. You're in your twenties. You've got you've got little money, but you've got a lot of energy. Um, you've you've you're having to adapt to a different culture, different language. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew people, students. I knew people that went to prison. Uh, I remember there was one sister who was pregnant. She ended up in prison because she didn't have the pra- proper paperwork. So you're in a place which you're not you're you're not really used to. I remember once, and the thing is, you learn a lot of things. Well, my same teacher that got killed. I remember once I was saying, you know, Sheikh, you know, this country, you can't say anything, you can't do this. I said, in our country, you know, we can we can we can insult the queen, we can insult <coughs> uh, politicians, and he said something really really interesting. He said. But he goes, is that what you should be doing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, just because it's permissible to do it, is there any benefit? Is there any benefit in cursing the leader? Sorry. And he really made me stop and I thought, actually, hold on. He goes, does it change the world by you cursing him? I said, no. He goes, what if, you do, if what if you made dua for him? Is that not better? If you make dua for his guidance or that he changes his ways? And I learned, a, you know, you, I learned a lesson being in a completely different environment. So, um my wife joined me kinda of halfway through it and uh, like I said in the interview and in the other day, uh she she actually said herself that at the time when she married me, quite a few people tried to put her off marrying marrying me. Uh they obviously didn't realise what kind of fun guy I was. But um I think it was just this idea that oh, you're gonna marry a religious guy, you know, and he's gonna be really strict and he's gonna stop you doing this and he's gonna stop you doing that and he's got no money and he's got no job and you he's probably yeah. gonna end up in some mosque paying getting paid. Uh, 1500 a, a year in fact I actually got a text the other day <laughs> which I shared amongst my scholarly friends that was sort of imam's post with 15 grand was a salary <laughs> and that, I'm not joking <laughs> anyway um, so okay. that, that was kind of a reality but, fascinating, actually. but I I wanted to when I got married I thought you know something I'm going to show all these people wrong I'm going to I'm going to show them that, that, that they've got it completely wrong that by marrying a student knowledge in fact your life will get enhanced so she travelled with me I mean, she got to go all over the world, got to learn a different language, different culture. We were in Syria, we, we took a, a bus to uh, uh, Turkey, it takes you 24 hours to get to Turkey, it was £15, pound, £15 pound all the way to Turkey. And then uh, the year after we went to Umrah, it was 26 hours from, from Damascus to Mecca, £17 pound return, mm. you know, so... Um, I, I, mean, I couldn't do it now right? <laughs> 26 hours but That's at the time you know actually. yeah you're on the road you're, you're travelling through the desert you're meeting people I, I mean I had this incident on the Jordanian border where uh, I was thinking about 2 in the morning or something and a guy sees my British passport and he goes show us Shuaslik Shua like, it basically means like like you're not really British, right? Who, 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 who what nationality are you? So uh, the then you pulled out your Pakistani passport. No, no, I decided, I decided I'm going to speak English because it's less hassle. I said, you know, as yes, I'm British and this and this and that. And he he said to me, do you speak Arabic? I said, Khalid, mm, you know, a little bit. And then he asked me something, and for some reason, I went to Arabic mode. He goes, oh, he goes, you can speak Arabic. I go, oh, no, here we go, right? Anyway, he was convinced I was an Arab. He goes, you're an Arab. I said, I'm not an Arab. He goes, you're an Arab. I said, said, I'm not an Arab. So we're having this conversation, right? At two in the morning. I'm like, listen, mate, I know what I am, right? He goes, so so he's not going to let me off until I say something. I said, I said, well, my dad was from Pakistan. He goes, oh, and the Pakistani. You're a Pakistani. And he goes, he goes, I'm going to treat you like a Pakistani. All right. So I said, carry my bags. Right? <laughs> no, no. I said, listen. So and I, got a bit annoyed with him. I said, listen, you can do what you want. At the end of the day, you're going to sit behind that that side of the screen. I'm going to be here. You're going to get my passport, and I'm going to go. <laughs> right. So anyway, it got a bit heated, but eventually he gave me my passport. So you have these kind of experiences, yeah, nice. you know. But,
0: uh, so So a few people contacting us Facebook Live, which is on. Uh, if you search for Muslim TV, uh, Rabia Nasha no, had Done a great job as a. In charge of Ramadan This year she goes Slams to all the brothers on air The real party is upstairs In the ark Where the sisters are celebrating Jandrath So all sisters are welcome So if anybody needs Any threading done name You must Uh, have got your threading done I Eyebrows and stuff (coughs) Nadeem did you want To ask somebody a question (laughs)
1: <laughs> do you some threading? I think <laughs> I need a big rope or something. I think I need uh, Who wants to
2: ask the next one? One of those flamethrowers or something? You know, I just will just continue about uh, Sheikh Hamas co- uh, points about Syria. I mean I've been five times for very different reasons and that wasn't to get any training by the way. <laughs> um, but subhanAllah, you know, it's such a beautiful country. Really it's such a beautiful country subhanAllah and the people are so beautiful mashallah. Very, very patient. And uh, one of my memories was uh, in in the days when there was just the regime and the Free Syria Army. So because we were coming in through Turkey to get across the border, it was a Free Syria I Army mean, that was controlling the border. And I remember having to cross the border with one of their soldiers, mm-hmm. and he gave me a plastic He says, "Put this between your legs because <laughs> he was going to drive." So I remember sitting there with this plastic between my legs, driving across the border, <laughs> and it was just and it was just normal. Mm. It was like part of the package, no problem. We were obviously are delivering aid, etc. But then the last trip that I did, five years on from the, you know, so that was the initial first year when the war started. So we're talking about a couple of years back. <clears throat> and I remember when we got back to Heathrow, we got pulled off the flight. Mm. It was a very different scene. You didn't know who to deal with back in Syria, which army was this one, who was there. And the situation has changed so dramatically. Mm. I mean, it probably wouldn't look like anything mm. as to what you saw when you were out there very different picture as to what it would have been then.
0: Okay, so Moran's going to ask the next question.
4: Uh, My question's to Dr. Amanda Rani. As a psychiatrist, how do you stop yourself from second-guessing and, you know, sort of
5: <laughs> pretending you're not analysing every single person you meet day in day out <laughs> what, what do i mean
4: by this
0: question dog <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about your childhood Imran. No,
4: no. So why, you, I, no, did, why you, did you, you ask that? that you're not allowed to you ask you should already because, know that. How did that make so you, so you feel
0: <laughs> no no i think it's um uh i think people always get anxious when you tell them you're <laughs> a psychiatrist but we can't read people's minds but i think everyone does that and i, and I get all i guess all of you because there's the thing about intuition about when you meet somebody, you know, they say almost within seconds you can get a feel of what they're like. And I think everyone's got those skills and abilities. What we see a lot of is um, abnormal behaviour, you know, and that's the thing in terms of mental health and mental illness. Uh, that when things are not normal and people have disorders. And I guess very much our focus is um, about, you know, identifying, assessing, but also getting people better. So I think everyone does it. Because I don't know if any of you have done these sort of personality questionnaires. You probably yeah, yeah. means you probably did it for you uh, <coughs> for a few to, jobs for these job yeah, yeah. applications. Yeah, job
3: interviews have it as well now. When you join in and right. your team and stuff, yeah. And and I think the most fascinating
0: thing about them is actually it tell. And it links I think something we've been talking about, Shikambi, is about reflecting for yourself, understanding yourself yeah. before you. Because if you know you're a certain parts type of person, that will help you deal with other people. And if you know what that sort of person they are deal with it so i don't know if
2: you what, any of people's experiences of these i mean i've, I've you know my wife's a counselor sort of stuff. um so she went through a number of years of training and in that period obviously she was that with like, you or with no, but you know i was a great training example for her <laughs> <laughs> so the number of times she would come back from a course or something she'd say like she'd tell me x y and Z. i'm like it was scary knowing that she could actually analyze me and some of the things she said were actually, oh my god, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a point I've never thought about that. So this whole self-reflection, sometimes when somebody else gives it to you, but the fact that they know what they're looking at, it's frightening. It yeah. is quite frightening, and I think we need a lot more of it because yeah. it makes you think completely differently about life. And job interviews—that's what it's about nowadays. I mean, was it Ernest and Young have now dropped the degree qualification requirement to join the company? It's more about competence-based. What is mm. your character like? What's your personality like? I mean, I've taken on so many people over the years in the sector who have got two degrees, masters and all, that say, but, but pure numpties. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they just have the life skills. Well, you can have knowledge, but no common no sense, can't you? Exactly. And, and this, this right? is what is. So that's why I think the, the current wave of testing and, and trying to find out what the ins and outs of individuals yeah. are really important nowadays. Okay. So well, that was a sneaky <clears throat> question. Nadeem, were you going to ask a question?
1: Well, actually, no, I mine wasn't more of a question. It was more an observation and the sheikh was talking about going to syria and doing all that and i mean i realized that i mean you're talking also about the your kind of uh life progression unfortunately i i i kind of went straight from school i did the hires i kind of went into medicine i had five years and i think a man you've probably got the same kind of thing and then you come out and you've got another five years of experience that you have to have so it's kind of like everything's mapped out And it's like big chunks of like five Six years before you can even It almost feels like before you can breathe And express yourself and be creative And do that And I must admit when you're talking about that I think oh, I'd like to have done that You know just go off and do three or four years And uh, I don't know I mean I, I don't know what you think of that Or maybe if maybe from your angle You might have been looking back saying Maybe I'd like to be in 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 another kind of um You know
2: Kind of no, really no. And, yeah, I, and most I, I can I can relate to his little journey. Yeah, it's not it's a big journey. mashallah but I can relate to some of the steps because Ahmed was part of the team that first set up Radio Ramadan twenty one years ago now. Twenty one years. Oh. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember we went to Leeds to Bradford to see <laughs> the first radio station, and we came back. We had a meeting at Nawaz Ali's house. So Amur, myself, Zabair, Doctor Salah, and a few others. And I used to drop him off. But no, well, I, well, I, I remember I remember I, I remember, remember him going through the journey of thinking about, you know, going ahead with it. And Rizwan was already travelling quite a bit. He was already out there at that time. Well I remember
1: I don't know. Can I call you Amur? no but I remember meeting you once and I, I don't know if you do mind me saying this, but I did a, a couple of weekend stints at your dad's restaurant. So, I was a waiter there <laughs> for, as, as and a, I remember you as a young as, do you remember,
2: customer, as a do the, young kid do
1: you remember the money we missing that? <laughs> <laughs> remember there no 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 get no no customers came in that weekend you know um but you know, and I remember uh you there and then. I think you were at Glasgow Uni and I used to sort of pop in every now and then and you'd just done law. And you said, I'm thinking of doing something else. I'm, and everyone's saying, oh, or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you were telling me about doing, but, and I, to me, it sounded like more like you wanted to do a diploma in uh, Islamic studies or something Absolutely. and and learn that as part of your law thing. And say normal. Um, <laughs> and, um, but, I mean, the fact that you were able to say, I'd like to do this, or maybe try that, it just sounded really quite free and refreshing in that you were able to kind of pick the for the study kind of pathway that you wanted whereas i don't know i think with the manula uh it's probably the same it's in very that linear isn't it? it's very linear X, you y, Z, you yeah. kind of basically have to decide six years before that this is what you're going to do mm-hmm. and and you're going through that and and i'll be honest with you there are plenty of times where i thought what the heck am i doing this is like such a trudge you know it's so oh man it's it's dull and i'm having to really struggle through this uh, so I don't know that, yeah. th- I, I think when I when I look at you guys I think the freedom there to be able to just Hey I'm going off here I'm going to go down here and us uh, take I a journey it here. here
5: It wasn't, it wasn't as uh, straightforward as that But um, I mean Although Naim's, uh saying yes we, I was involved in a lot of work And he was as well involved as well And I had that conversation with a lot of people And Naim will know this yeah. That not many, even the people I thought That would have encouraged me to do it were actually tell me not to do it they're saying no become a lawyer and become an islamic worker or whatever that means and uh, just do a, a couple of lessons on the weekend or whatever and and that's that's the way you should go forward so it was a, it was quite difficult but then i thought well i'll just end up like everybody else you know and if we all just end up being the same then how are we going to ever go forward so i think i was just thinking a lot i was doing a lot of thinking and um so when i had that conversation with you it's probably that at that stage so the thing is, it requires a degree of courage Because you are going into the unknown People are telling you don't do it So if you fall flat on your face And you know what the Pakistani community is like And that was one of the fears of I remember, I can't remember if it was my dad Or somebody else said He goes, why don't you let someone else do it? Mm. And if they mess it up, right Then you know not to do it <laughs> And I said, "But if, if, ever, if I said if everyone thinks like that No one will do it Which is what what happens no one, no one does it And then someone does it And then everyone wants to do it So... Uh, I think it requires a degree of, of courage because um, mo- I would say out of 100%, 95% of people told me not to do it. Mm. And had I listened to them right, I wouldn't be who I am today. Mm. Mm. So, mm. Mm. And I'll learn I learned a big lesson through that. And just one thing, sorry. Um, the other thing you're saying about, well, you know, you've done this and you kind of feel stuck. When I was in Syria and Yemen, I've met doctors, people who were uh, had done the medical profession, took time out, became scholars I know a couple of them now and came back and retrained and now they're GPs or whatever so I don't think it's ever too late I think there's a lot of flexibility and you don't have to become a scholar I mean go go, just go to the Middle East work and stay in your profession but get out of Glasgow and, and just experience I, mean, you know, I, I did
2: 25 20 years in the civil service <clears throat> so you know the civil service you've got a pension you've got flexi time you can phone in sick when you feel like it, all the rest of it <laughs> yeah. so I remember you know out of the blue the opportunity came And I was really fortunate that I managed to get a three year and then it became a five year career break. So I still had the job to go back to. But after the five years, the crunch came. So you either come back or it's time for you to resign. And it was scary. It was really frightening. And I took a lot of advice from different people. And for me, fortunately, the opportunity I had ahead of me, I'd already, you know, panned it out for five years. I knew that was gonna be, it was gonna work. Um, But I remember the first day that I left, it was frightening. Because suddenly the net had gone. Yep. There was no security, there was no mm-hmm. pensions, nothing. I was way. now on my own. And you know, Zaber who was sitting next door to me, he, mm-hmm. he told me a really valuable lesson. He said, if you want to know Allah, he said, go into business for yourself. Mm-hmm. And subhanAllah, how because you know, every day was different. You didn't know mm-hmm. what was going to happen. Yeah. It's different working for a company. You know, you're going to get the same salary. But once mm-hmm. you're on your own, you don't know what's going to happen. Then you start to rely on Allah, thinking, you know what? Whatever happens is in Allah's mm, hands now.
0: That's an interesting point. And it, it you means
2: you're yeah. sort of at the yeah. juncture in life where you've just
0: graduated, you've got a job. Yeah. We, how, what do you make of some of this discussion Well I was actually here.
3: going to ask Sheikh Hammer there. there Obviously we were saying 95% of the people Were kind of tried to talk you out of it Were your parents one of th- some of those people Because I feel like a lot of parents wouldn't want their children to do it Even now, well, even seeing people like the you They still wouldn't want to them to do it. it Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. No, 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 uh, even their family was against it. I mean there was, I would say w- One brother and one sister who were kind of On my side but virtually everyone was against me
3: yeah, I feel like nowadays I'd still say ninety-five percent of parents wouldn't want their children to go into that kind of field of work. But don't you think? You know what? If you look if you look back over the years,
2: I mean, it's a bit different now. But I remember when young Muslim kids, Pakistani kids, wanted to. Oh, Dad, I want to. I want to be a footballer. It's a tissue, Get back in the club. <laughs> yeah. Nobody would be interested. But now, if you look at football, it's you know. Look at the level you can get
0: to. Well, that be- name that beautifully brings us on to one of the things that I wanted to discuss. So we've had a bit of quite a long preamble, really, but a few things that I think wanted to move the discussion forward. And really, what um, I'd like to discuss is various aspects within our community, and really reflecting a little bit in terms of what we've achieved in the last twenty years or so, or last few decades. But also, really, mainly f- thinking about what people, you know, what good work's going on, and also looking for the future, what needs to be done as a community. And one of the things I've got here, name is um, this whole area of media and celebrities and role models and sportsmen, you know. And a um, bit welcome everyone's comments. But in terms of where do you think because you spend a lot of time with these sort of celebs and footballers, etc. I mean, you, you're a zedless celebrity <coughs> yourself, <Olman. laughs> but, but you know,
2: zedless. That's so, fine.
0: <laughs> no, but you know, you had this recent. You had the, had the big launch, and you had a lot yeah. of celebs: Amar Khan and Lindsay Lohan, at Hollywood. You know. Uh, Actors and actresses. I mean, where do you think we are as a community? Because what's the impact of these people? I mean, you, you you've deliberately, you know, built relationships with these people. I mean, what is the impact that it has on society?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I didn't I didn't build any relationships with anybody deliberately. I didn't go into the sector deliberately. It was just part. It just happened. You know, I think I said that in your desert island yeah. disc thing, you know, things that, I didn't plan any of this. I feel right? <laughs> <Obviously. laughs> that university
5: obviously. That was it. <laughs> right. That was just
2: you know And you know the thing you said you never you've not
0: finished a book.
2: I've never read a full book, in a my book? Life. I think I've only read one book in my life and I've read it five times Great Expectation by Charles Dickens. Other than that, I'd have read a cover of a book, the first few paragraphs. <laughs> and then you go on to the, the next book that looked really interesting yes. the, the, the point is that you know I didn't deliberately go out I just to meet any celebrities or say right I've got to go and find out who X Y. and they all just happened part of the, the, the package look you know I think one of the most important things that um, we need to realise as a community is that we need to recognise talent in our communities uh-huh. and not only recognise it but actually promote it no matter what it is because today you might think you know being a footballer or being a sheikh is oh what a loader but you know what in a few years time that's going to matter Mm. Having a role model As a footballer Like Demba Bar Like Corotorio Or anybody else Okay they're not from Glasgow But in their communities When you go back to Senegal With them I mean I've been to Senegal And uh, met people That uh, you know Knew Demba Knew Diamante De Kamari I was just t- on the phone To him uh, earlier on today And their communities Are so proud That all their children Want to be footballers mm. Right In the same way with, 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 with all the respect They have for Armour I'm sure there are people Who come to iSyllabus syllabus want to say You know what I want to get to that level that wasn't the same many years ago. Right? But as a community, it's, it's a necessity for us now. And we need to excel in every possible field. It's no longer good enough to excel as a doctor or as a lawyer or as an accountant. It's not enough.
0: Because the impact of these celebs
2: and role models yeah. is, is massive. It's massive. It? It's huge. One celebrity, it's like, you know, when you when you go to an event, one steward, or, you know, 10 stewards are equal to one policeman. Mm-hmm. In the same way, a celebrity is equal to 20 other different types of if not more. And, and I guess the deem one of the,
0: you know, people that had the biggest impact in life and in death was Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah. Uh, grant him the high status in Jannah. And he, he, he I know he's a big role model of yours, but even if you look at his Can funeral. Can
1: you tell? <laughs> yeah. <even if laughs> do, you you, at, do you want to tell him I'm waiting just now? <laughs> of, well, Muhammad Ali but, sent oh,
0: us a oh, Because his funeral as well was such a big impact. And yeah. it was amazing, in, you know, in terms of just the impact of Islam in American Wider society tell us a bit about your experiences Muhammad Ali and this no, top that you're wearing as
1: Well, well. no I um this is top this is something I bought from the Ali Center in Louisville Kentucky and I, I you <laughs> you <laughs> You can smell it. <laughs> but uh, no, I I went to the Ali Centre. Well, look, we all, anybody that grew up in the 70s knows what yeah, it was like, right? Yeah. Ali but was he grew the man. In, right? in the 90s. Right, he grew up in the 90s.
2: But I think, you know what, even 90s, <laughs> yes. everybody knew Ali, no matter what era you were in. See, that's
1: interesting, because I wonder if he had the same impact. Because when I was growing up in the 70s,
2: it was like... Mm. Ali was the biggest thing on TV. Full stop. You'd it was send like in front of your black and white television. Yes. Six o'clock in the morning. The entire family. Yes. And you'd want
1: to watch it. And you were, I, exactly. And I remember that was a time when you know there, there's that f- phrase Paki bashing. Yeah. And people were out. You know, like that was something that people actually did. Yeah. And and he was this guy who suddenly was a Muslim who was fearless. You know, and he was funny and he looked good. And he was just, you know, he was just good at what he did. And he was, and he, that's a very good that's point. A really that's thing. a very good point. He was good at what he did. He had. Excellence it could be like Eddie his, the
2: Eagle, you know. Yeah. yeah. Like the who? Eddie the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle, yeah. Ramiz, do you know who Eddie the Eagle is? Uh,
3: no, I do actually okay. uh, I've heard That's that's from Eddie there either you know. Eddie so the Eagle from there. You know. The
0: film came out, didn't it?
3: Eddie the Eagle.
1: So you met you met Muhammad Ali? I, I met him, alhamdulillah, and uh well what happened was I um it was I think it was two thousand and five and there was a chance Thing that came up and he was opening a centre called the Ali Centre in Louisville, Kentucky Now, this shows you what this guy was like He, by this stage he's been ravaged with Parkinson's right yeah, yeah. Oh. and for 10 years you know he'd been famous but not that famous and what he'd actually been doing was he was raising money all around the world to build this centre called the Ali Centre in Louisville, Kentucky and what this thing is is it's a it's a centre to encourage kids to reach their potential so they've got it like you know become the greatest so they've got psychologists there uh, and they've got all sorts of other people there and then they've got you know but. two or three floors that are dedicated to Ali memorabilia mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. But it's basically meant to be an interactive thing for kids to use for their personal development. And one of the things they also wanted to do was turn it into a, a negotiation centre where people could get together and actually like sort out their differences. So this is what this guy had been going all around the world, you know, sort of uh, saving money for, promoting and all that kind of thing. So this thing was opening up and I thought, I don't care what happens, I am going... Uh, and that was it. So I basically bought a ticket and then I used to write for a magazine called ML. Magazine. I don't. Is that I even was a still? sales director. Were well, you are Were you Well, and I used to. Zuber, yeah,
2: was a magazine. I, I just, was a sales director. By, <laughs> by it the way, is that still going? No, is that no, magazine. No, so. I think it's it? online now. I wonder because I tried to phone their office. ahead of its time.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If it came out today, it'd be very successful. Uh, right. Okay. Well, it was. Well, I, I did, I, I did the doctor's page yeah, on I the remember, back, and, and then so I, I, I thought you know it's one of these things where. I thought, hang on, I've got to go. To, I've got those. So I phoned up the Ali Center and I said, "Listen." I write for this magazine that's the biggest Muslim magazine in Britain. <laughs> would you like a uh, Would you like so? Yeah, well, I, well the, I said it, was it anyway. The, it was the only Muslim magazine. It was the only Muslim, <laughs> Muslim magazine that said, would you be interested in an article about your centre? They went, yeah, that'd be great. We'll send you a press pack. <laughs> and then I phoned uh, ML and it was Sarah Joseph. I said, listen, if I get you an interview with Ali, would you be interested? She so said, yes, just go. And I was like, boom, there you go. So I went there and they sent me a press pack. And I kid you not. I went there and I had the BBC on one side, Al Jazeera on one side, and there's me with my camera <laughs> in the
3: middle. And honestly, it was, was that, like... Was that a disposable it was just, camera? The it, was, it was.
1: I think it was just <laughs> something I bought. Uh, but honestly, one of the most amazing experiences I've had, and I, you know when you're talking about celebrities, I was there with the A-list celebrities. I was like... I think Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, that was their first... Public date out. Sure. I met Bill Clinton. I met Jim Carrey. Uh, what's the big uh, guy? Lennox Lewis, who is wow. the real predator. Yeah, He's, yeah. This guy's huge. Yeah, so yeah. I met him. I met and then I met people like Jimmy Ellis, who Ali, who actually after Ali's title got taken away, Jimmy Ellis was the the they gave him the heavyweight title. Then he was beaten by Joe Frazier. So I met people like that and David Frost and all this. guy so, it's fantastic. So my, quest- but yes,
0: my question to people here. Is, so we're recognising that these celebrities, role models, sportsmen have a massive impact. You know what impact it had on you and the fact, You know, growing up. How do we nurture, or what what do we need to do as a community? Because there'll be allies, there'll be the next sheikh ahm, there'll be next sheikh Rizwan out there somewhere. You know, they'll be out in the communities. <coughs> what are the barriers that are stopping them coming out, or what can we do as a community to move forward? Because if we're saying, like, in twenty years' time. We want you know the top sportsmen in in the UK or in the world to be from Scotland or from Glasgow as a Muslim or etc etc you know or the next top sheikh or the next you know you know because because at the moment it's still very much. If I'm a doctor the, engineer. You're all right. If anything else, I'll do it a bit on the side. And you know the, these sort of professions, you can't just do it necessarily in your spare time. You yeah, need but, to give well, it hour after hour after. So what are the but, thoughts you know,
2: of people? I, what do we need I to think, do? I think there's two things. First of all, we should never. I mean, Try and develop people with the with the intention that they're going to become famous. Mm. That's just that's part and parcel of the package. Yeah, but it's nurturing their skill set, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Exactly. It? So what was I going to say, Ardon, was that we need to try and you know make sure we pick on the fact that somebody has got a certain talent. You know, there's a, there's a friend of mine, um, Doctor Zafik Bal. He's a he's a physiotherapist. He's worked at Liverpool. He's now working at Crystal Palace. He worked at Tottenham Hotspur. He's as famous as the footballers are because he's the man that gets them. So he's not somebody in every single newspaper, but he's as famous and as well-traveled and and been through all the experiences and knows exactly which player broke what, what time and all the rest of it as well. So he excelled in what he was doing. So it's about nurturing people's talent and making sure they're equipped to make that happen. But our issue, I think, as a community sometimes is, even though somebody's talented, because we don't want them to go that way. So I think, parents, we need to take some risks as a community. Mm. If somebody's good, uh, a, a Sheikh Hamar wanted to, you know, go on to learn, at that time, he took the decision. Imagine he hadn't taken the decision. He'd still be running the restaurant today. It was a risk and a jump into the unknown. Of course it is. And we need to take them. Because, look, if you look at the areas where Muslims are not really, even in a political level, we're not really engaged Right. So we need to, we, I remember, you know, Uncle Bashir, I'm Miller, bless him. I mean, what, he died, what, how many years ago now? I remember well before his, his health became ill, he used to tell me, he said, listen, you should get into politics. Mm. And I'm like, man, you're just another one of those, you know, Uncle G's trying to get into the party. And he was 100% correct. We need to look at the future. And I think we should learn from our past, from the last 50 years, where have we come as a community? Not very far to some extent. Because if you look at the influence of the political sphere, the, the sports sphere, etc., So I think we, we do need to take some risks. And some of us are going to have to become sacrificial lambs to take that risk. Some of our children are going to have to go and do those things. Um, and it's going to happen because we need to be in every part of our community, every part of our society, and excel in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, something that Sheikh Amr said about courage. You've got to have courage to do this. Uh, one of the things I realise, I see is, I mean, our community that came over, I mean, basically, we were in survival mode. You know, you did whatever you had to survive and to make it here. And I think maybe a lot of our community still has that poverty mentality. Or at least some of the people I uh, see around me. So they still got that thing that if we do this, we we might become poor. We might become whatever. Uh, so we have to go into those kind of safe professions. And I don't know if the Jewish community had the same thing, where they, you know, they started off. You had the the businessmen, then you had the, the the professionals, then you had the artists who were able to express themselves. And I actually count you almost as an artist because you're 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 able to do stuff, where you're able to express yourself, and 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 take that forward. So I don't know if you know. I mean, Amanullah, my if if what you think of that. I mean, that, that's something that I see, that yeah. you, now we're in a position where, okay, we don't have to worry about that, or at least we, those outdated think, things about in terms of safeguarding of poverty, we can get rid of that now, because we don't need that. Because I think it's something to do with confidence as a community, because I think if you're confident and
0: comfortable in yourself, you will take risks, you will take challenges. At the moment, with the community being always on the back, you know, attacked, 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 the natural response is to withdraw within what's safe, within <coughs> yourself, and then it's to, to avoid a lot of those risks. So it's kind of the um, difficult. So Ramiz, uh, I'd like to hear from you and then Sheikh Ahmed yeah, as well. Yeah,
3: I think another part is perhaps support from institutions. I think if someone like what Sheikh Hammer's position was a few years ago, wanted to go abroad and study. Are the institutions ready to sponsor them, give them the money while they're there? I don't know if you did get financial support while you were away, um, but I think that's maybe another well, you huge blocker for something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I've spoken to Sheikh Saeed about a, this a while ago as well, and one of the institutions he was with who were like, yeah, go abroad and study, but then weren't willing to back him financially. And I think that would also be a huge blocker for a lot of people uh, going to, I don't know, if Sheikh Hamer if anyone did it for you when you were there.
5: Um, it wasn't to the level that it should have been There was um, sporadic help uh, It wasn't enough in itself to, to be self-sufficient And finance was a worry uh, When I was studying I never knew if I had enough money uh, and I knew some students who actually ended up teaching English when they were in Syria because they didn't have enough money but what what I found was the students that started uh, teaching English it took away from their studies and so then i I decided i thought well i didn't come halfway across the world to start teaching English now if I wanted to do that I'd do uh, you know I would have done that a long time ago so i I actually took a decision that i I thought well time is more important than the money element so I thought I need to get this all done in my 20s before I get into my 30s and so I took the decision that if even if I went into debt and had to borrow money I would do that and then pay it back when I got back
3: because if you look at something like FOSIS, um, where even the, the head of FOSIS this year wasn't paid, even though it's a full-time job, essentially, the Jewish equivalent, the head of um, the Jewish student or you know organisation, they're getting on like 30, 40 grand a year. And that's why they can put this time in to actually develop it a lot more. Um, so I think that's one of the big sort of blocking factors for the Muslims as well, is that we're not financially backing them.
2: I think I th- it's not just about the parents, it's, it's about institutions, you know, looking for the future, looking at individuals, looking at setups, etc., you know, if I was to start fundraising right now for something happening in Syria or Palestine, thousands and millions would come across. But the minute you start to talk about developing our own community, I think it's seen as an issue. But you know what? These recent events, not just in the last four or five weeks, but in the last few years, since 9-11 particularly, I think we've started to think differently. Mm. In my opinion, there are glimpses of hope. Uh, I think more and more people are realizing that charity begins at home. And I don't mean f- you know, just financially. I mean charity from the perspective of putting our resources into what's happening at home here as well because otherwise we are on the back foot we're never going to go forward and we need to come out on the front foot so and that's what needs to happen thank you that's excellent so if you, if you are listening
0: you've got any thoughts or comments please do give us a call 375 3434 or you can pop some messages on facebook we're getting various comments and stuff coming in um, we've got another guest joining us omar sheikh assalamualaikum alaikum As-salamu how are you doing boys first declaration of interest eid Sunday or Monday um, uh, Sunday for sure. Somewhere, okay. He's got yeah, the certificate. I'm he's
2: got certificate from Nigeria.
0: Actually, Omar's one of the few people I know that email. one of the few people I know that's gone to Nigeria multiple times, and you got the dress. as well. <laughs> I was wearing it yesterday. And, uh, love Nigeria. So, looking at me the mosque. So Omar, just a few reflections. So we're talking a bit about reflecting on where the community has been the last few decades and looking forward as well where we want to be in another. 20 or 50 years and the first bit that you know we'll maybe touch upon the aspects of youth as mosques and institutions engaging with non-muslims but the first domain we're sort of talking about is kind of the whole idea of building role models and sportsmen or you know nurturing this idea of celebrities and media because they have such an influence um, and we touched a bit about this whole for heritage, their stories, because they were trailblazers to some extent. <coughs> so looking forward in terms of what good work is go- people doing just now, and I guess cultural heritage might be some of that. But also looking forward, what do we need to do as a community to enable, to find the next Sheikh Amr, to find the next sportsman, yeah. find the next Muhammad Ali? Uh, uh, excellent
4: excellent discussion, Sean. First of all, I'd like to just you know commend all of you guys, mashallah, for the great work you've done at Radio Ramadan over the month. Um, you, you can leave work. now. No? <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, no. Uh, no, fantastic work. And a lot of us uh, staying <coughs> at home, especially, you know, you've got 20 hour fast and you guys are in here taking time um, to, to share your knowledge, share your insights is really, really commendable and admirable. So Jazakallah Khair to all of you for this. Look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who comes from the finance world and I'd like to say one thing, first of all, in answer to your question, Iman. You can have all the great ideas you want, right? You know, fantastic. But until you can get them funded so they are sustainable, it means nothing. Same with the NHS, same with everything else, right? Unless there's funding uh, to make it sustainable, you're not going to get anywhere. You can run off the back of volunteers only for so long, but that does not give you institutional solutions. Look at this station. It's still struggling to get money to get the refurb done. If people out there could donate and get the money, we could get the rooms built upstairs which allow other activities to happen, and it's still a problem. Why is it a problem, right? Because we're not focusing on money. We're not focusing on being smart. Now, Names mentioned a great point, and and I'd like to extend it one step further uh, to, to pick up on the points which Sheikh Harmi mentioned is our solution is in, in the wakf. Our solution is in within the al structure.
0: So right? explain that to listeners that don't know okay. what that means. Why will that help us solve things as a Glasgow community okay. it's like saying this here's here's a £10,000 handout for your project this
4: year okay here's £1,000 here's £100 <coughs> right great okay you've got one year budget can you run an NHS of that can you run a radio station of that can you run an education, education institution of that you cannot if I have to say I've got a billion dollars of which 1% will go every year to your charity so here's 100000 or whatever that number is you know per year for you for the next indefinite number of years, then all of a sudden you've got a budget that you can run things in a sustainable way, right? You can run things and you can actually plan for the future for growth and so on. So when you talk about charity, it's not just uh, sadaka and zakat. Waqf is a form of ongoing charity, as a form of sadqah jari, and Sheikh Hamr is in the room and he can tell you more about the importance of this. But I think the reason why it's relevant, and, and Naim, I think we need to go beyond just thinking locally, and I think NZF and others have started that, that narrative, which is great. But I think we need to do smart charity, which is not just raising money for emergency release in every country around the world, but raising a Scottish Wok fund that we as a community need to raise Right, And off the back of that is an endowment, Waqf translated into endowment. Right, Trust structures in, in Scots law and English law came off the back of the Muslim world. Universities, Oxford, Cambridge, every university has been founded off an endowment. The NHS and these, these institutions in the time of the Ottoman period, there's that famous saying about the role of the Waqf. And I, keep, I, I can't believe that we have so many smart people in this room and in Glasgow who are so smart when it comes to their businesses or their careers, how to get a good career and how to run a, anything from a shop to a GP surgery you know, effectively. Yet when it comes to managing our own money as a balance sheet, we still don't get it. And even Islamic Relief and all the top charges, you know, I don't mean to name one, they are not prioritising Waqf. And until we put forward a Waqf-based smart approach, not just about where we put our money, Pakistan or Mirpur or, you know, Bradford or, 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 or Pollock Shields. No, it's not just that. It's actually also how we raise the money, you
1: know. Omar, can you, can, you can, sorry, can I just ask you, because um, oh, no, I'm... No, no, I'm, I'm
0: Bix, man, Because well, no, no, well, no,
1: <laughs> I, I don't quite understand this, so what exactly is a work? It's, it's basically, is it a fund that you put money into that you can then draw out
5: from from
1: time to time
5: is that is that basically what that is so like omar said um waqf for awqaf was uh, started by the muslims and and um basically uh this has been a hallmark, really, of, of Islamic uh, history and civilization. So, you'd have people who had a lot of money, I want to do something. Okay, it's the same thing now, and I want to do something, build a mosque. So, what you'd do is, you'd say, right, okay, I'm going to give this money away, but I wanted to, to do some sort of uh, project which will live on after me. So, like Omar said, a lot of the universities were started by these funds. So, for example, there were mosques um, still in the Muslim world. I remember in Yemen, there was one big mosque, and at the bottom of the mosque there was like kind of um, shops. So what happens is the, 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 those shops were given us by somebody that, okay, I'm giving this to the mosque. So that's, a, that's an endowment. And then what happens is the money that was generated from the, the shops would go into the mosque. So the mosque was, was self, self-funding. It didn't have to have charity dinners. It didn't have to have janda and appeals and stuff because it was self-generating. So what happens is, like Harvard, all these places, they've got endowments, massive endowments, which are then working in the background, and then they can fund these things. So this actual concept came from Muslims. And see, <coughs> when you actually get into the, the whole chapter of endowments, it's fascinating. I remember we did it in uh, in Syria, uh, my teacher, uh, Sheikh Mohammed Wa is in Turkey now, and he said to me when you started the, the the chapter, he goes, he goes, yeah, sheikh Amr, he goes, he goes, if you'd come here five hundred years ago, he goes, you would have had everything paid for, you would have had a house, you would have had this, you would have had that, because he goes, it was so many awqaf, there's so many endowments in Damascus, he goes, have all disappeared, <clears throat> he goes, yeah, you're you're over here, you're struggling with money and all these things, he goes, that didn't happen. If you look at Imam Ghazali, we think of Imam Ghazali, right, famous scholar, he produced so many great works. He could not have done that if there was not an endowment um, structure in place because he was only able to do that. It's like university, right? Um, when we have people who are, are in university lecturers or professors, right? What do they do? They do a degree, they do a master's, they do a PhD, and then they're, they're paid 40, 50 grand or more just to research. Okay, so that's all they're doing. They're just doing research. So the same thing with Imam Ghazali. He had. He was a living in a time where if you wanted to become a scholar, you would be paid to do it. And when you became the scholar, you would be paid to do that as well. And you'd basically keep going up. So he never had to work. He never had to drive a taxi. If Imam Ghazali was having to drive a taxi, he wouldn't have been Imam Ghazali. So he could only become that person because the, the system existed for him. Um if you look at, like, you're talking about myself, Sheikh Rizwan, we did this off our backs. There was, there was no, there was no like, financial help. There was nothing. When I was studying, I had no idea what I was going to do when I came back. Mm. There was no no place that was saying, here's your, here's your job. I had to think of all those things. So that's added pressure. If you take that pressure away, you're going to get a lot more done. If you have more added pressure, more stress, you're going to get less done. So I always say to, like, some uh, students, I say, what I did in 10 years, you probably can do in six years. If the structure was there. So the endowment, the endowment um, uh, project or, or thinking is the right way to think long term. I think we're evolving as a community. That's where we want to go eventually so that we're not every year raising funds constantly. One thing I want to come back to, um, one of the recent great experiences I had last year, I did this uh, senior faiths um Uh, I can't remember what it was called, senior faith, interfaith leadership program. It was called uh, Cambridge University. So what they do is is it's a a very interesting program. They take a group of uh, Jews, a group of Christians, a group of Muslims, and they're split up. Sounds like a
0: joke coming up. No, no, no. no. They walk into a pub.
5: No, no, no. No? So um, this this kind of split, like, so you have some, some are scholars and some, like, community activists from each faith. And what we did was we went to Windsor Castle. And we were there for three days for three times in a year. And that was an amazing experience because you're mixing with people of other faiths. And also, you see there's a lot of similarities. They've got similar struggles that we have I remember then we had our own meeting, a Muslim meeting, and I remember one of the Dr. Asim was there as well. And I think we we, we made a joke at the end that we we shouldn't elongate this meeting otherwise it makes suspicious. <laughs> the Muslims are meeting I mean, separately. It might mean, be mean, eyebrows raised like what's going on with the Muslims all go. But we were we I mean I remember mean, I had, I remember had this I had this discussion with him as well. We were just astounded at the infrastructure that the other two faiths had. Mm. I mean I was speaking to this rabbi and he was on ninety grand. And he was just, and he had one job. He goes, all I do is I just look at all the other rabbis. If there's a complaint from a synagogue, I deal with it. That's all I do. There was some other guy, and all he he was in charge of like 70 parishes. He goes, yeah, if there's a complaint, I deal with it. And, and the rest of the time, they're networking. There was a Shia guy, and he was like traveling all over the world. He was just like the reps. And he, that's, he, his, his job was just to network with different people. Mm-hmm. And so when we looked at these people, right, we thought, wait a minute, we're a mess. And me, me and Dr. Aston were saying, we're doing like 10 jobs each. And I remember, <laughs> I remember like when we were having our little groups, twice I got asked this question and you've got, you've got people, I mean, there was in my group, there was um, the former head of religion at BBC and he actually got me on to, what's it called? Uh, Pause for thought was on BBC you? too. No, 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 it was uh, Michael. So anyway, it, he, he asked me and another guy, it was three people asked me throughout that duration. They said, I don't mean to be rude, but can I ask, how do you make a living? Because all of them had set roles. I'm this I get paid this by the church. I get this, I get paid by this person, that's it. And like what Ramiz was saying, when you go... I mean, I'm, a, I'm the Muslim chaplain for Caledon University. The, the the Christian's obviously paid by the university. The Jewish person is paid by by the Jewish community. They're full-time paid jobs. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> yes, i the <laughs> I've, I've got my volunteer cap Sponsored on. You've taken chicken. out for a
2: kebab. <laughs> <or>?
5: <laughs> do, 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 do you understand? You're, you're doing the Juma Khutbah, you're doing this, you're having to sit in meetings, and you just physically cannot do... A, a, a thousand jobs properly, and so when we were when we were discussing this, we just realised we thought we're we're doing like ten jobs each, right? And the, and the and the fact that the guys had to ask me how do you make a living because he could not understand a minute you do all these things but how do you get paid? How do you make a living? You know, and, and this is and this was I mean for me and Doctor Aston we were just like <laughs> we need to get our act together. Nadim, you you wanted to come back on that Well, I I mean,
1: I'm a Complete layperson about this, so Really what I'm saying is, okay, so this guy Gets paid £60,000 doing whatever Now, what does he do to generate The return for that? Like what? What? What does he do? I mean, because obviously, they, they that community must be paying, must be giving charity, must be doing other things, and the, there's not a bottomless pit there. Yeah. Okay. So I, how does so, that so, 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 work? So, I
0: guess the question is: Okay, sounds great on, a in concept. So, yeah. yeah. What, what? What? needs to be happened? So, in Scotland, how do we establish a work? So,
4: so when you talk, well, that's exactly the point about sustainability. If you in the the rule of the wakf is the capital that's given to the wakf cannot be eroded. Right, so if you give 100 million, that 100 million will always stay. You can only use the yield, the return on that capital. So that's exactly why it's sustainable. So as an entree- non anything else, so if you, if you I give you 100 million, okay, so if I give you a property worth 10 million pounds, mm-hmm. you can only use the rent income ah, from that property. Okay. You cannot sell the property, you cannot deplete the, the, the value of the property, you can only use the rental income for that property. So that is exactly
0: why it's sustainable. So, uh, so I mean, let's think practically. I'm uh, again, I'm not a financial guy, right? So, great idea. What do we need to do to make this happen in Glasgow? What
2: which you need Scotland? to house a man and uh, rent it out? Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: no. I mean, what what are the I, practical I, steps? To I think this? there's two
4: things. I think number one, there needs to be a concerted effort by our leaders to prioritise work. Right? We've got great talented people, people in this room and people across Glasgow and in the UK who are prioritising raising charitable donations for firefighting Uh today, right? That is commendable, admirable, fantastic work. But if you want to keep firefighting, you're going to build nothing for tomorrow. I tell you now, right? So to start building something for tomorrow, the first and foremost things is the shayuchh, and the few people who are in the fundraising game need to sit down together and say, you know what, we are going to, prior to this, prioritize this for the next decade. We're going to give a quarter of our time, a third of our time for the next 10 years to build a wakf Then you need to put the legal infrastructure together, which is simple, straightforward. We can arrange that. And then you need to start building up capital in that, right? You need to start amassing properties and so on. You have to remember that Al-Khaaf globally is in the trillions of dollars Mm. Billions is yep. in India today Billions has been usurped from Bosnia today Hundreds of millions, if not billions, is in Turkey Which led to the funding of Erdogan's party, AKP party and many other activities So it's absolutely doable But guess what? It's not an overnight solution yeah. It's not a quick fix solution <clears throat> It takes a decade plus plus. And us as Muslims need to understand Sadka Jariya, this is going to go on for us after we die After we pass away Putting a waqf in the name of your children or your deceased parents is something which is going to benefit you, right? People need a toolkit to be able to implement that easily, and we need to prioritize that as a community. So even Radio Ramadan, we're raising money for charities today, right? What are we raising to build our waqf, which will help charities not just today... For the next hundreds of years, because the capital cannot be, the, the rule
1: of the world so, is you cannot, so you cannot use the capital. So Omar, to, can I ask you, would yeah. this, it, it, just as a layman, let me get this. So instead of people saying, right, we're raising money for Syria today, or orphans in Syria, or whatever, you're saying, let's raise money to buy four flats, is yeah. that right? Or or, or, a, or a business, and then that business we buy that yeah. business and that business then that generates, generates
2: money the capital that keeps yeah. going and going right i see so okay. if you
4: say i want to raise money for Syria today yeah. you raise 200,000 pounds from this one month two choices you give the 200,000 pounds today or 200,000 pounds is spent today okay khalas right. or 200,000 pounds you buy a property and say it gives you 10% return whatever 20 grand for simplicity of numbers every year for the next 50 years, you can give 20 grand a year to Syria or till perpetuity. You can do the math yourself. In more than 10 years, you've given more to Syria. And by the way, every subsequent year, you haven't had to raise more money for Syria.
2: I think also on top of that, I mean, there's two things that happen. One is you start to establish a pipeline. You know that this kind of money is going to come in regularly. You can afford to fund X number of scholars or football or whatever it might be. I think the second is some of those roles that you're actually putting into place actually fund themselves. Mm-hmm. right so for example let's say it is creating a sports person or a teacher they're going to have an income coming from somewhere not just from yourself you might have funded them to get to that particular stage but when they get to that particular role they've got the chance to get funding they've got a chance to you know charge for their services you know i'll, I'll give you an example uh, something quite minute but that started my journey off i was in the civil service and i set up a training course it's to train non-muslims in islam but i didn't have the money to do it i couldn't leave a job and just go into it but the Islamic Society of Britain, Miller blessed them, subhanAllah, said, you know what? I gave them the model. I said, look, this training course, I can deliver it professionally. I can charge for it. And I'll put the money back in the kitty. But I need someone to underwrite my salary. And they put the money for for two years. Okay. Myself, mother, sister Farhanda Chowdhury, Imran Sharif, few of us came out for two years. And we put the money back in the kitty. So, but so, the fact there was somebody to underwrite it.
3: Mm-hmm. And it
2: helped us to develop to the next stage of our life. And we're still here 10 years down the line.
0: So maybe i like you like to develop this argument forward a little bit into another area which you've just touched upon actually and if you're just joining us we're talking a bit about as a glasgow community where have we sort of what we achieved in the last few decades but going forward where do we want to be in another 10 or 20 years um this whole aspect of engagement with non-muslims right so i guess as a community you know We talk a lot about where we are in terms of the media, in terms of, you know, what's happening around us, and even in the last month or the last few months, and the perception of now Muslims, and then that led to the attack near Finsbury Park as well. Um, This whole aspect of engaging with wider society, rather than navel-gazing within our own community, because there's certainly issues within our own community we need to fix, right? There's also an element of engaging with wider society, uh, you know, and even this whole term is interesting I was listening to um Tariq Ramadan and he goes even this whole terminology Muslims and non-Muslims he goes I really hate this terminology mm-hmm. because what you're doing you're defining defining everyone else in reference to yourself so he goes you should say Muslims and those of other faiths you know he said as a suggestion rather than non-Muslim but you I know it can become clunky but you know so I guess it's this aspect so what are we doing I mean what good work has been done in terms of engaging with wider society uh, and those of other faiths, and what needs to be done, because I guess it's only so far that you know things will take you by just focusing on yourself, and even I guess linking in with that, you know, the work with new Muslims or converts as well. Mm. So I don't know. I Any mean, got, got thoughts
2: around y- that? You know, one of the key issues is that as Muslims, yeah, we have got our own issues, and sadly, a lot of us just end up developing ourselves, and, and that's what, and that's not what life's about. You know, if you look at the, 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 the seat of the Prophet ﷺ, the, the companions afterwards, and even scholars of this era, they've said that if you came into this country just to work and earn a living or whatever, then you shouldn't be here. It's compulsory upon you to invite people to what Islam is really all about. So, you know, if you look at it from that perspective, there's two or three things that are doing really well. So look at Ramadan, right? If we have a productive Ramadan, the chances are the next year is going to be really good for us and then Ramadan is going to be even better. So in the same way, when we do things like Islam Awareness Week, it shouldn't be just for that one week. We put so much effort into that one particular week, but what happens the rest of the year? We need to start to look at it as a, as a... It should be a part of our life. How we behave, what our character is like. So again, sometimes you have to go back to the fundamental because whatever good work you do can be undone by one person. You usually need to look at the news for the last four weeks. But subhanAllah, at the same time, I know it's a sad state of affairs that happened at Finchley, uh, at, um, Finchley Park Mosque, but to some extent, there was a blessing in what happened. Because suddenly, if you look at the media narratives changed. Mm -hmm. In the last week, the media narrative changed. Because of the imam as well. Because of the imam, number one. And secondly, (laughs) because somebody else now thought, you know, it's okay to attack Muslims because of what one Muslim did somewhere else. The narrative changed. And we need to take control of that narrative and show by our actions. That imam story, no matter what anybody says, you know, people are, you know, cussing him at the moment, saying, you know, why did you save him? Why did you stop him? That is one of the biggest blessings of this country for years. Since 9-11, that is probably one of the most powerful stories. Because that has resonated with every politician, with every celebrity. You sit down in front to listen to the news reviews. Everybody's talking about the same story. That, you know, Muslims are merciful individuals. So our character needs to come out a bit more than what it does at the moment. We don't show enough of it. We need to be proud. We have a jewel in our hands. So it starts from the very, very basics of how we react and what our character is about. And then going on further to look at, you know, the likes of Islam, Awareness week or Radio Ramadan and stuff, you know, media projects, whatever it might be, that are running on a regular basis. So there has to be a concerted effort all year round. We can't just suddenly stop one day and say, oh, there's been an attack. Let's do something about it. Let's do a demonstration. Let's give flowers out. Why do we have to do those things? If we were behaving properly in the first place, we wouldn't have to do those things anyway. Yeah. You know? Very, very good point, Nancy. Very good point.
4: I think, uh, and in addition, I think the response to the Grenfell uh, Tower fire. phenomenal. <laughs> where phenomenal. Where non-Muslim ladies are saying, thank God for yeah. Ramadan. And one of yes. them made a comment is that you always talk about them when
2: there's something, something bad exactly. happens, right? So I think... And, and you know what? I put And I was in London. The day yeah. after it happened, I went down. I was there a couple of days ago as well. It actually put the media on the back foot.
4: Exactly, mm-hmm. the
2: narrative changed at Grenfell as well. So these last two or years as much as been loss of life, unfortunately, there's been you know terrorist attacks, but actually, Subhanallah, you know with every difficulty that is eased, there's been a change in the narrative. There's been a change in outlook and thinking. So you know what, there is, you know we are a community. We need to stand up against whether it's black, white, yellow, Muslim, not Muslim, whatever faith it might be, against anybody who tries to harm us.
4: Mm-hmm. And I think that's the interesting piece. Sheikh Ridwan referred to on on one of the excellent shows, reflections, which we were in Ridwan, it refers to the orphaned ummah, and and I've been reflecting off. You know, we interviewed seventy elderly people to talk about identity. What does it mean? Are you Scottish? Are you Muslim? Are you Pakistani? Are you British? And and we did a fa- fascinating a set of case studies. And I, I would say we're actually in a weird way. We are dis. We have a dislocated identity, and. We are in search of an identity as this lost diaspora of these Muslims living in non-Muslim lands, which even there's no thick books on how to to live here as a permanent settled community. So in search of this identity among people go towards this Muslim and non-Muslim thing. And speaking to a lot of my friends in London, it was easier to be Muslim rather than to say you're Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Sri Lankan or Arab or whatever, because it's even more cosmopolitan there. So, so I think that's, that's fascinating, but it goes to, to the essence of how do we, what's our fundamental ontological perspective? How do we see the world? Are we just as exactly defined by this identity, or as name says, these are common causes for our common humanity? And when we, when we flip that, I think it makes a massive difference in how we approach our work. I mean, two specific examples. One, uh, I think one just recently was a fantastic event which um, uh, Asma Ali and the SPME team led um, and with the big, the big iftar or the big get-together and the, and the great iftar, whatever that was. And it, it was fantastic to see a number of people from the church, from the armed services, from the police and other councillors come together. 67% of them were non-Muslims there that day to open fast with us in Eastwood Parish Church at 10 past 10 in, in the evening which was just fantastic. So I think work like that is really, really excellent and, and needs to be <coughs> taken forward. But also, one of the other projects we launched recently with the, with the Church of Scotland in, in my work in Islamic finance was we, we got together and decided we're going to create an ethical finance solution which is open to everyone in society, regardless of race, religion or ethnic background, but based and created off the shared values between the faith traditions so I think that's, that's an, another excellent example of where you can do things, which is for everyone in society, but you just use your faith values to inspire that and work together with people on shared values. So I think there's a, a lot more for us to be doing in that space rather than working in our own ghettos and having a ghetto mindset.
5: Sheikh, you had a few thoughts? Um, yeah, just, just this idea that you're talking about Muslims and non-Muslims and, and should we be doing stuff for the wider community. Um, the the thing is that we, I mean, when we, we talk about, we're quite, I would say we're quite proud that we're Scottish and we, we kind of live in this place and we're quite happy with a lot of um, the values that Scotland has. Not we don't agree with everything. I'm sure uh, whiskey is, is not... Um, uh, it's a, a high priority, although it's a great, a great, <laughs> a great uh, Scottish product, um, and it's quite world famous. But you know, there's always going to be certain things that we don't agree with. But the thing is, um, I always think of how the Prophet used to used to look at people, used to look at society, and one of the the most um, uh, profound uh, statements I always think of is in the Battle of Uhud. In the Battle of Uhud, if you as you remember, It was the second battle of Islam. The Battle of Badr, it was a a revenge battle against uh, the defeat that the Quraysh had in the Battle of Badr, which actually incidentally took place in the 17th of Ramadan. And uh, what happened was, in the Battle of Uhud, um, remember these are people trying to kill the Prophet it's a war situation. So the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, make dua on them, because you're, you're the Prophet of God. If you make dua, it's accepted. So the Prophet ﷺ makes a dua and says Allahumma ahdi qawmi fa innahum la ya'lamun Oh Allah guide my people Because they don't know what they're doing He didn't ask for the destruction um, He asked for their guidance And the interesting thing is he said Qawmi oh, my people So these were people trying to kill him But he viewed them as these are my people Now if you have that mindset That this is my country Or this is, these are my people The Quraysh were his enemies They were trying to kill him Right. They were not your interface people. Right. Yet the prophets of vision was that no, these are my people. I've got a response And, and my, and what is my responsibility Is to is to bring guidance to them Irrespective of what's going to happen So the same thing should 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 apply to our minds Is that this thing of I know what you're kind of getting at The us and them kind of idea It's not us and them It's yes there is Obviously there's going to be certain things I'm going to have more in common With somebody who, has, who believes in the same prophet as me And the same God as me of course But at a wider scale, at a wider scale um, They're also part of They're also my people in the same way that the Prophet looked at them. Because Allah ta'ala says in the Qur'an, وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي آدَمٍ We have honoured the children of of, of of man. In other words, all human being, all life is, has sanctity. Everybody in society has a value because they're a human being. Allah has created them. And we have examples in, in not only the time of the Prophet but time of the, the Sahaba, where I remember uh, Sayyidina Umar um, saw this old Jewish man and he was begging and he said, "Why are you begging?" He goes, "Because I I don't have any money." And and uh, and he basically said, "He goes, it's not just that. Well, this man was young and he was contributing to the state. Then now we've left him. So he he and he 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 said, um, you know, stip- he stipulated a certain amount to be given to him. So this this the rahma, this kind of compassion, was always shown to every single human being. It wasn't just for. Just the Muslim community or just uh you know people that are, are similar to us it was for for everybody and then if we have that understanding and that uh, vibe goes out, then people automatically feel it whereas if you have this us and them attitude, then they feel that vibe as well that the, 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 these people you know view themselves as different from me so it's it's not it's not difficult it's just about doing sometimes projects which Benefit everyone. I remember very early on when I was still studying. I did this. I wrote this book on what Islam says. It really says about domestic abuse. And I was asked to present at the social works. So I remember I was presenting it, and a social work woman. She put her uh, a social worker. She put her uh, hand up. She says, "Can I ask you? I'm just really interested. Like, what's your motivation in doing this? Because because she goes, this is a women's topic. And I thought she's just she's gobsmacked that there's a man for a start." two he's got a big beard right and he's the kind of guy i thought would probably be doing this kind of stuff <laughs> yeah he's defending yeah. women i don't i don't get it it's not yeah. two plus two doesn't equal four here and i just said to her i said look you know in our faith we have a statement by our prophet that says if you see uh if you say a wrong action you don't know the hadith if you say a wrong action you change it with your your hand if you can't then you change it with your tongue if you can't you change it in your heart so i said we have a duty when we see something wrong to do something about it i said i'm a scholar I see something wrong here. I see manipulation of texts to justify domestic abuse. So I'm doing my bit. But I said, I will do that whether it's against men, whether it's against women, whether it's against children, even when it's against the environment or or animals, because that's what my responsibility is. And she was just, like, shocked by that answer. So people actually don't know what, what what are Muslims all about. There's actually been a few people that have become Muslim since the... The last couple of weeks that Naim's talking about yeah. People have become Muslim, even with everything that's <coughs> Happened, and, and what, what's Convinced them, it's not been theological Discussions, it's been the actions Of Muslims, Absolutely. they thought, wait well, hey, a minute, these people are not like that sure. Okay, here, guys So, it's past two o'clock Just now,
0: so, can I just add something Briefly name? because I want to move On to, yeah, okay, a bit, something A bit competitive mm-hmm. yeah, actually yeah, Listen, Before you do it, oh, seriously, You're going.
2: a couple of things Can we just say salam to Qashir Shad who messaging me every five minutes, he's watching everything. He we wants do. a Mexican wave by the way. He wants a Mexican so wave. <laughs> wave. <laughs> right, Nadeem, start
0: star star from that side. Huh? Mexi- Mexican, I Mexican wave. wave. Oh,
2: that
3: that's that the break dance. That. <laughs> that's the break dance. Sheikh Hammer's having none of
2: this. On a serious note, just following on from this particular part, because a lot of what Sheikh Hammer said is to some extent theological and we think about it it's in the past, yeah? In reality, you know, we also need to break into the social fabric of our society the things that are halal for us to do, we need to do more of them. So, for example, I'm going to take something really simple. Go and watch Celtic play. Forget Rangers, right? Go go and watch Celtic play on a regular basis. Seriously, because, you know, you need to engage and interact with people on things that we're allowed to do. We obviously can't go to the pub before the game and all the rest of it. But the other, you know, watching the game itself, getting to know people... Being in the crowd, understanding uh, football, just one example. There's other elements of life and I think we don't do enough. There are other football teams available in Glasgow, aren't they? This yeah, mm. <laughs> is uh, what I'm trying to say that we. I don't think we do enough on a social level. <laughs> you know, we seem to be scared. We should be strong enough as a community to be able to go out and do the things that we socially want to do. And that interaction alone shouldn't only happen because something bad's happened somewhere. You know, there's been a, there's been a, an attack somewhere. We need to go out. And, you know, we need to be able to be in a comfortable position to do those things on a regular basis. So I think as a society, we do need to interact a lot more on a social level, not just because something's happened. Yeah. yeah so let, let's put it under practical terms. What
0: it is it that we can do? You know. Very briefly, Nadim, then I'm going no, to move on to I, the next
1: part. I, I think these guys are thinking on exactly the same wavelength because uh, what I was thinking was, you know, we uh, for a little while, I noticed that everything was about you know you're in the scouts let's have Muslim scouts have a football team let's have a Muslim football team you want to do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu it's Muslim Brazilian Jiu Jitsu (laughs) you know Um, that's a round applause. You know, I, that's it. That's it. So and <laughs> the radio station, Muslim, Muslim, radio, Muslim radio station. Oops. Get off. Get off. So air then, yeah, so, but, traitor. But but now I think it's like like you said, it's like self-imposed prison. Yeah. I think it's time to get out of prison. Get out into the light. Let's be part of the wider community and show them what we've got. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you know,
2: there's enough clout even on social media. Forget the media or the politicians or the council. There's enough clout on social media. If you're involved in something and it's going against you, you can make a change. You can do things in the it. I don't know if you heard the story recently, the young kids that went to school, the young boys, they, they weren't mm. allowed to wear shorts it? because it's so hot in the class. Yeah. They had to wear trousers. So they came in the next day wearing skirts because the girls could wear them. <laughs> <laughs> and the school's changed Kills, the policy.
4: Kills. Yeah, they
2: were kilts But this, the, the story went viral. vital. So, you know, we, we shouldn't have to be scared anymore to think, you know, we actually need our own Muslim scouts. No, we can go in and make the change. Yeah. We can make the demand. The, you know no matter what you say about the rules and regulation in this country the law backs you as a, a as a minority well, no matter what you are even if you're a Jedi or a Muslim you've got the right to do what you what You need to do Jedi-Muslim well, Jedi, like you know, there are Muslim <laughs> Jedi so I think you know on a social level on an engagement level I'm 100% with you there are certain things that you know we need to have as Muslim because there's no other way but generally a lot of things that Muslims cast you know but, what, we need to get out of there but it's to do with what you feel comfortable with isn't it
0: I, I, it's, I know it's difficult but it's kind of you have to go outside your comfort zone a little bit but you know that's look, why that, people that's, say It's very similar
2: to what Sheikh Hamad just said in look, even looking at your career you have to jump out into the, into the dark yeah. into the unknown we have to do the same here we actually have to take some risks Yeah. and unless we take the risks we're just sitting there comfortable trying to do our own little thing I think those days are over we need to start to focus as a community and there is a lot of that happening
0: I think we need to do more of it. Great. So um, we're going to take a, a bit of a break from what we we're discussing just now. So exactly feel If you're joining us, it's Radio Ramadan, 87.7 FM. Um, we need to do two things, guys. So one is Eid prayers and timings. One of you have got the... Um, sheets there, so oh, can you have, announce yeah. that? No, the other thing then is we've we've stolen. A p- the other half on <laughs> the back of it. The,
2: what they it said, he's not doing it tomorrow. Anyway. <laughs> 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 Oops,
0: the other aspects which we're going to come on to is. We're still stealing a bit of Ramiz's popular show. He's going to do a quiz with you guys head-to-head. So I'll give him a few minutes to make up some questions.
3: So I, while we were talking there, I just kind of wrote some. Now, normally we play countdown music in the background just to make it tense. I don't know if you guys have it, the guys on the desk. So I need two people, one, you know, go well, head-to-head.
0: Let, let's get these Eid timings and I'll hand over yeah. to the Games Master Ramiz. So name?
2: Right, so Eid timings for uh, Glasgow and the surrounding area are as follows. Let's just run through it, parallel. Glasgow Central Mosque. It's at 5 a.m. I don't know who's going to be up. Mind you, we could still be up at that time. 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. Madrasa Al Quran in Kenya Street is 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m. Jamia Islamia, 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. And the 10 a.m. Jamaat is for brothers and sisters. Masjid al-Furqan is at 8 o'clock, 8.45, 9.30, 10.15, 10, 10.45 in Carrington Street. Madrasa Talim al-Islam is 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. on Nistel Road. Masjid al-Khizra is 5.30 a.m oh hold on yeah it's on Monday mind you okay yeah. that's right Right, so just <laughs> anybody turns up there tomorrow Masjid the as far as I know is actually celebrating either Monday it's at 5.30am 8am and 10.45am Masjid Ibrahim on Paisley Road West don't know where it is is that the yeah yeah that's, the P- oh, that's P- what it's called West, that's Okay. that's what it's called 5.30am right? 9am and 10.30am Lanak Shah Mosque at Lanarkshire somewhere? Is that the Bodwell? The
0: Holy Town. Yeah, Holy the, Town. 6.30am, the, the,
2: th- and 8.30am and 10.30am. Zakaria Masjid in Wishaw is 8.45 a.m. and 10.15. Govanhill Neighbourhood Centre in Daisy Street is 9.30. BMACC. Bears Den. Bears Den, 8 a.m. and 9.15. Mab Scotland Centre is 7.30 and uh, 9 o'clock. Mary Hill, you remember that? a lot of days there didn't you coming yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Masjid 9 o'clock Minhadul quran in Rathaglad 8.30 10am Madrasatul Medina Nidri Road wow there's more Muslim shops mashallah 6am 8.30am 10.30am
5: still more charities still more charities
2: <laughs> Masjid Al-Farouq 6am 7.30am 9.30am all Jamaah have space for sisters available in Dixon Avenue. Dar al-Quran uh, in Paisley Road, Renfrew, is 9 o'clock. Andalus in the West End is 10.15 a.m. And the last page is Wood Farm Center, 7.30 and 9.30 a.m. Cobridge Islamic Center, 9.30 a.m. Masjid al-Farouq in Bishop Briggs is 9 a.m. Mina Center, 8.30 and 10 a.m. Samsa is in Martha Street at 9.30 a.m. And finally, East Renfrew West 7.30 and 9.30 a.m. And so- if you're praying in Nigeria... I think it's 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. And It's important yeah. that people continue
0: oh, to shot. dig deep And give as much as they can throughout the month For all of these centres and for the rest of the year But then compare this <laughs> Compare this to the. <laughs> com- compare I this, love that so Compare that again. this to <laughs> Now I'm just
2: curious Compare this to the first year you probably read right the There the probably th- like two mosques two, two th- 21 there. years ago It's Glasgow Centre Mosque Yeah Center, Maybe Masih I think Three or four yes, man you don't have had them done sure. Within the two minutes right. So the next
0: few minutes so I'm going to hold on to you guys A little bit longer I'm going to hand over to Ramiz oh, God. He's the quiz master Now you explain for Some of the listeners Ramiz That don't, don't get a chance To tune into your Drive time yeah. show Can and we go Let's do a couple of rounds Of this if we can
3: Well I've only got questions For one round right now But we'll see right. uh, So we're going to go Dr. Aman again, Sheikh Hamer No no That's <laughs> no, okay I, I'm, D- No no I'm the quiz master No 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 Pick some of <laughs> the other Okay so we'll do Dr. Nadim against Sheikh Hamer. <laughs> um, so it's 30 seconds. Have you got the countdown? Okay, so it's 30 seconds, 10 questions. I can only take your first answer. If you don't know the answer, say pass. So it's 10 very simple questions though things you're against, the times you have to try to get it. Um, so did both of you understand those, uh,
5: so, so those rules? Real- what's going on here? So, oh, I have no idea right. what's oh, doing General knowledge 10 please.
3: questions, 30 seconds, get as many right as possible. I can only take your first answer. If you don't know the answer, so say pass. against him. you against I Dr. Am, am. Now, the thing is, it's I the same, am. Am same question, so what I need is for someone either to leave the room during or put Nadib, you on, pop so out for a wee minute oh, right, okay. so and if you, you move the room at the end it. so you can't right. hear it okay. and please no cheating Allah's watching
0: and can our security just make sure he can't hear any yep. of the manoeuvres in the
1: booth so this is, I only got 74% for high syllabus so I'm going to get the way
3: <laughs> <laughs> so um, as I said once you've got the, so if you want to put your headphones on so you can hear the timer Sheikh Hamer um, so I'm going to tell him Ron who's on that when to play it um, so it's the countdown theme tune I said 30 seconds 10 questions Right, are you good to go Sheikh Hamer yeah, go we good to go? Three. Wait, let me put the headphones on as well, so I can also hear the timer. Um, okay, three, two, one. What? What's the pH of water? Pass. Uh, what's what is known as the peak of the Quran? The peak of the Quran? Yep. There's a hadith about it. You should probably know this. Pass. What's the capital of Pakistan?
5: Islamabad.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what's the world's deadliest animal? A shark. How old is Raja Ramadan this year? 21 What is uh, Raja Ramadan's phone, uh, phone number? I have no idea Who is the president of Egypt? Uh, Sisi How old is the queen?
5: Uh,
3: <laughs> and your time is up Your time is up no, I actually just had to estimate that timing Because no, they didn't play the thing five more seconds. Okay I'll give you the oh, next okay. one So how old is the queen? Did you get this one? Me um, And what was the prophet Elisabeth mother's name? Uh, Amina okay. Time up so you didn't do particularly well over there, oh, but I uh, will we'll bring in okay. <laughs> So can we get Nadim back in Half of them were eye questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peak, the of- peak of the Quran. So the Prophet saw some before he comes in. Said that everything has a peak, and Bukhara is the peak of the Quran. So say hadith. It's a weak hadith. <laughs> no, no, it's not weak. It's authentic. Of, uh, yeah. This is when the sheikh is shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> Nads, you're gonna, kill, but, uh, it. You're gonna uh, kill it man! No, 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 no. So, Dad, so, you <laughs> might not well go home right now. What, what is the sidebone called or something? <laughs> so if you want to
1: take this mic, I'm right. going to take Swap it. I'm getting my revenge for ice syllabus. Umrah, can you get it, this right? timer? So the
0: timer didn't work last
3: time, yeah. so we'll try get like. I'm okay, uh, in the studio I'm here. So just a I'll on. time it on my mobile as well. well. I've got it here, so let me just hide these questions a wee bit. Okay, are we good to go, Umran? Yeah, okay, he thinks we're good to go. We'll see if it's second time lucky. Dr. Nadeem ready? Okay, right, uh, you know the rules right? Right, no but okay. Just give an answer right, go 10 questions I can only take your first answer If you don't know the answer Say pass Don't, te- okay. don't spend too much time okay. On the one question okay. I can't joke <laughs> oh. 3, 2, 1 What's the pH of water? 7 Which surah is known As the peak of the Quran? Uh, surat uh, Fatih uh, What's the capital of Pakistan? Zanwad What's the world's Deadliest animal? Uh, shark. <laughs> uh, how old is Radio Ramadan this year? <laughs> Say it again. How old is Radio Ramadan this year? Twenty-one. <laughs> uh, what is Radio Ramadan's phone number? Oh one four one three seven five three four three four. Uh, who is the president of Egypt? And your time mm. is up. Time
1: ah. up. Oh, so I'm right, we're gonna CC. go through yeah, there.
3: Too late for that ah, one. And, okay, so we'll go through the answers over there and see how you guys got on. pH of water, Sheikh Amr. Oh my god.
5: It's
3: <laughs> well known since seven, says 1-0 to Dr. Nadim. Uh, which sort is known the peak of the ground? Neither of you got this one. It's the Bukhara. Okay, Captain Pakistan, you both got Islamabad. Uh, what's the world's deadliest animal? It's definitely not a shark. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
5: do,
3: how, many, how many humans die a year from sharks? Uh, it's actually a mosquito, 650,000 oh, people right, a year. Right, 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 right. Yeah, 650000 Good one, right, right. <laughs> um, how old is Radio Ramadan? You both got this one, 21, so we were listening earlier. Um, so that currently makes it 3-1. Uh, uh, right. No, 3-2, sorry. 3-2. 3-2. Oh. Um, what is... Uh, so 74% It's the president or? of Egypt. Sheikh Hamer got this one, CC, oh. which makes it 3-all. Um, so gets through you stopped over there where Sheikh Hamer went on to the next question so how old is the queen you said 92 she's 91 oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> however you also made it to the last question which was what is the prophet's son's mother's name and you did get oh, right oh, Aminas <laughs> I mean, so you 143 oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> there's no prize by the way no um, but yeah well done on thank you
0: Ramiz so we're going to go for let's have a little, little Nasheed break I think guys have been speaking for a uh, couple hours almost So We're supposed to finish, uh, supposed to finish At two o'clock actually So we'll have
2: a no, quick going we'll to keep you To see if you're actually faster
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> So we're going to go For a short break um, And we'll be back uh, And we'll have a wee think Whether to, if you want us To carry on or not Inshallah But Is of got preparation be.
2: <laughs> Who knows I know because she's watching
0: okay. <laughs> okay. we we'll be back shortly If we can get the technical side sorted.
3: Oh, it's, we're still Something on? else we're still on we're air, still on we're air. Still are there. we going for a nasheed <laughs> break
0: we can't get it working can you
3: have a wee um, so I'm being given a thumbs <laughs> down saying it's not working right now so I guess we're going to um, so can I ask everyone what are your Eid traditions as a family Sheikh, I'm, can please turn that video off <laughs> <laughs> we're still on air <laughs> we, uh, Dr. Rahman Eid schedule what do you guys do
2: she'd
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not there's oh, yeah. some technical difficulties right now so that's um, we have to keep going, <laughs> um, going to it that's the topic I'm asking right
2: now so or oh, to be honest, Eid prayer with the family, uh, outlaws, mum and dad, yeah, and that's it. Home, nothing, nothing, nothing more than that. Because I'm only home at the weekend or day here and there. So really, it's a family day
3: more than anything else. Um, now Sheikh Hamer, can you tell us what you're up to tomorrow? No, no, he can't tell you that. But he'll tell you what he doesn't eat day.
5: <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what I do on yeah. Eid day. Eid day, where basically, I'm late half a Glasgow, so I spend. Uh, most of my day going through and i still don't get through all my relatives
3: because i have a lot of people i thought they were just making up that they're related to oh, no, every second no. person yeah. i meet is like oh yeah i'm related to sheikh amr yeah yeah
1: okay um dr nadim no my mind is basically the same uh namaz probably at glasgow central and uh then back at home with the
3: family that's it are we still having technical uh, problems here because yeah. uh, uh,
0: your traditions on eid so what do you get up to all
3: uh-huh. right
0: Standard,
4: standard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> par for the course. Just uh, semia. It all starts off the same semia, which I normally cook the night before, and I'm the only one who gets to eat them for obvious reasons. Uh, and then off to the mosque. There's always a debate in the house: do we go for the first namaz straight after mm-hmm. Fudger? And we know, we did
2: five so. o'clock last year. Yeah, I did. slept the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> you guys choose the. Uh, Five
0: of the topics I had here We've covered two out of seven that
5: How long are we staying here for?
0: So, so as soon as we get the sheet going We'll have a discussion But okay. uh, So Ruiz, can
3: you p- perhaps pop out And see if you can yeah, or yeah, Can I'll you control it from here? There, no no I'll find out what's going on <laughs> people listening?
0: I think so Who knows man hey, More to
2: the point Is just a available? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's a few
2: people watching On Facebook
0: <laughs> etc And we had a few comments coming in So I think there are perhaps
1: People listening But um Nadeem, were you going to... Yeah, I was, you know, you asked me about some questions. I was saying, well, what questions have I got asked?" ask them? I, I came up with one. Oh, and let's, was do just, that, right, yeah. let's do you want to do that? Ask each okay, other well, Okay, this is not, it's not a very serious one, but I just thought I'd ask, right, like, if you had to pick three people that you'd have dinner with, and non-religious, obviously we're Muslim, so we'd probably see the prophet, who would, you, who would you have? Throughout history, anybody alive or dead? How about you? <laughs> me. First. So I think... Um,
0: that's a great question, actually. For me, I think Malcolm X was one that is a big role model ever since I read his autobiography. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali as well mm-hmm. has been fascinating. Um, and I don't know, I think somebody like Nelson Mandela is also. Mm-hmm. There's a big black civil... I was, <laughs>
1: was going to say... It's a, a, is is <laughs> a black thing? Black, I don't black don't
0: thing. Don't uh, but I, I also found these... Um, People in history fascinating, actually. Mm. So I think um, th- that would be an amazing one. So I don't know, who who wants no. to take the next few? Omar, oh, <laughs> economist, would you like
4: to say, discuss <laughs> Yeah, economist. Warren yeah, Buffet. Yeah, they're all messed up. Uh, okay, without, without going down religious. Well, I think or? we'd all. I mean, we we'll okay. would
1: probably so, all. So leaving aside the something Sahab like that, and, so
4: uh, yeah, for right? Then uh, I think a few people. In, in recent times, modern times, I think Nelson Mandela, I absolutely agree with you, man. I and that would be f- phenomenal. I'd love to hear from um, uh, is it Mansa Musa, who was from Malawi, who was one of the okay. richest men uh, ah. to have ever lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and his story of Africa back then would be phenomenal. And I think the other person I'd be really keen to have dinner with would be Lady Evelyn Cobalt. He mm. passed away? He was one of the first ever uh, uh, Scottish, Scottish British Muslim Christians. converts. All right. And we be fascinated to hear about Islam in, in the late nineteenth century in Britain and in the early twentieth.
2: So that's mm. three people. Well, what, what about going to the other side of the fence? Mm-hmm. The Feroz, the Hitlers.
1: Yeah, why not? No it people. might be that's interesting. the other side yeah. of the
2: fence that committed yep. atrocities are evil. Yes. Try and find out what actually took them and got them there. That'd so, be who, so who would be the three? Uh, no I haven't thought of the three I'm just thinking you know what we're all thinking about the really good people which is obviously commendable Mm -hmm. (laughs) how about sitting with people that actually did they also changed the course of history but for their own reasons to understand what was actually going on there but I mean for me yeah names like Ali Mandela you know Malcolm X Mm mm-hmm those kind of individuals, you know, you mentioned Lady Even Cobalt, you know, people like that that changed the course of history, that were the first in doing what they did. Mm-hmm. But equally, I think it'd be fascinating to sit with people that did something on the other side of the fence that actually changed the of history for the wrong reasons, but what made them actually, you know, do that. There's some fascinating individuals out
0: there. So Sheikh and Ramiz, reason I know you popped out, so the Nadeem's <coughs> question was, which three people would you most like to have dinner with? Mm. and uh, Excluding also the Prophet, peace be upon him, and so, the Sahaba, so. etc. So.
3: Um... Okay in history. Um point point's actually quite interesting because I think I would like to sort of see for someone like Hitler where did the mentality come from to actually go for into politics to get into power and then to actually do what he did. Um, I don't know, maybe can Sheikh can you answer first? I might get some more or inspiration you just, more just to think about, to think about <laughs> it. Think about it a bit longer. I was outside, you had more time to think. I so. had to consume
4: that chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you did ask me while there was like a lunch chocolate just in my mouth, Sorry. so
5: uh, so it can be, it can't be like a Sahaba, or it can't be, it can't be a scholar. scholar yeah, I think, think. that okay. would be
1: too. Um,
5: I think it can't be any of them. I think um, William Quilliam probably Quilliam would be one of them. Mm-hmm. The, the, the 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 first kind of Muslim in, in the in the UK who set up the first mosque. And I'd love to see how he had that that, that kind of experience at that time. and how he ran the mosque and and what challenges he faced and how he overcame them. Um, Probably Malcolm X as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And going back a little bit in history, uh, I would actually really, it'd be really interesting to meet Muhammad Fatih, which was the 21-year-old who conquered Istanbul. Mm -hmm. So speaking to a 21-year-old who is in charge of such a, a large army. To see what 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 what, what I mean, how can you at that age be able to lead such an expedition? What kind of qualities had he, and how did he get those qualities at such a young age?
2: You yubi. Yeah. Fascinating. So,
0: yeah. Ramiz.
3: Yeah, I'm st- I'm still stumped. So, oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I think just trying to narrow it down to limit to, to, I mean, that did you say how many people, or is it just three? Three, three I people. Um. Yeah, I think it's, it's quite difficult, especially in sort of the course of history. Um, I suppose having someone like Ferron would be very interesting, be terrifying. Uh, it would be terrifying, but it would be interesting. I remember it's just
2: I, dinner? The idea is that he's not able to hurt
3: you. Exactly, is it going to be me for dinner? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a little story, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of that would be interesting. Um, I suppose I'm the villains I'm in history in think you might get more of an interesting conversation out of them. Great. So, so yeah. great. Right.
0: Next one, who's going to ask another, Who's who's got a next question for the other panellists?
3: Can I maybe ask some of the the, the, the older panellists? So have you kind of... We're <laughs> older than you. Yeah. Um, have you imagined <laughs> yourselves uh, when you were my age and then where you are now, do you think you've achieved the goals that you set yourself at that you? time? I'm 22. At your age, I was, was, I was a mess. <laughs> so do you think, have you imagined yourself back then and kind of look at yourself now, do you think you've achieved the goals that you wanted to achieve at the time or do you think your life is kind of totally different to what you were <coughs> expecting?
5: I remember I was twenty four. Um and I remember there was one other another guy who'd done law with me and um I'd met him outside Samsa. So it's about two about three years into my studies now. Um so I remember I had this conversation with him just outside Samsa and he was in his suit and he had his umbrella and he He's got, he has got got himself a traineeship so in, in law you had to do a degree you had to do a diploma and then you had to get a traineeship now everyone gets a traineeship so it's a bit of a you know hurdle so people who get it they're really obviously happy because they're on their way to becoming um, solicitors so he'd done well and uh, he looked apart, par and um, he goes yeah I'm, I'm working for a really good firm and this and that and all the rest of it and and this was in the backdrop of what your parents have been telling you and the community had been telling you that you're making a big mistake and, and I had this conversation with him and um, I remember I looked at him and I thought damn, have I done the wrong thing, has yeah. <laughs> everyone like uh, the 95% people yeah. told me not to do this were they right and I was wrong because I'm looking at myself and I'm still wearing the same clothes I had at uni, I, it felt as if I hadn't moved on, whereas he had and I, and I remember he, he left and I was just standing there in the middle of the road and thinking and, and, and he walked off and I was probably stood there for five minutes. And then I just started looking at everybody. Everyone's like rushing this way, rushing that way, rushing this way, rushing that way. And I thought to myself, no. And I remember saying this to myself. I said, I don't want to get to 40 and look back at my life and think, man, I should have done it. Or what if I'd done it? And I'm 40 now. I'm 40 years old now. And I remember that moment that I actually thought when I get to 40, I don't want to look back at my life and have regrets. And I can now look back at the age of forty, at my life, and have, and I don't have any regrets under
3: that.
2: I think for me, you because know, I failed at university, so no direction in that at all. <laughs>
3: that, that's because you do not finish any books, then <laughs> <laughs> You read some, some books, too. At, at that age, then, where did you think your life was going to end be honest, up? I didn't have a
2: clue. Okay. I just, I just, I just went with the flow, and uh, <laughs> yeah. still does. Even, even to this day, I mean, I think a man asked me that question when I did the interview said, well, "You know, what's your plans for the future?" I have no idea. Uh, everything, whether it was Islam Channel, during Ramadan, whether it's, you know, the charity sector I worked in, the stuff, that's all just happened. It's just been an opportunity that came to me and I took it with both hands. Um, <clears throat> and it took me, and I think when I think back to it now, if I had done some of the things that I did now in the last 10 years, you know, when I was at 22 or twenty, or even at 32 or 42, it wouldn't have worked. I didn't have the right character for it. Um, so I think everything that happened to me happened at the right time that I could actually deal with the you know the the status of standing on stage or sitting on television etc I think it happened at the right times but I didn't have a clue and as I said every part of the journey has just been mm-hmm. day by day. Uh, ideally when you go into a, a project you know I'm expecting to spend two or three years on it. Yeah. What comes around the corner, I have no idea. I mean I've just taken on the position of the CEO at a brand new charity called One Family. I know what it's going to look like in two years' time, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know I haven't planned that in two years' time this is what I'm going to do. I've no idea. So growing
3: up... you have very fortunate. Yeah, did, uh, did not having a plan ever scare you?
2: Um, you know, it's, fra- it's never scared me, but there comes a point after two years or so that I start to think, right, what am I going to do next? And I'll start to ask a few people and just something will come around the corner and think, you know what, this is it. And, I, and my heart's got to be in it. And that's the only... It's, it's never been about, you know, making money, having a secure job. It's got to be something, you know what, this is going to change the direction of what we're doing. So when I went to... Islamic Relief or when I set the training company up I knew that was going to be it's going to be a milestone nobody's ever done it Went into Islamic Relief that campaign management position I took on nobody else had done that before Muslim Youth Helpline was unique Human Appeal was you know three and a half million five years later we're at 35 million yeah, sure. and you know there was a challenge there so for me it's always been about finding a challenge you know he's just mentioned about the Scottish work kind of idea I put on my phone straight away thinking you know what maybe that's the next thing I need to do so it's it's for me. It's more about what benefit is it going to bring to people around me rather than for myself. Uh, you know, what what is the next big thing that's going to actually change the direction of what we're doing? The course of history, and, and when I say the course of history, it's not going to make it on a, on a global scale, but certainly within my world and people around me, it's going to make a difference. So even the new charity, I wouldn't have moved from human appeal to take on what I did because if I didn't see that it was be, it was going to be something different. And already, alhamdulillah, the language, of people involved, in it is very different from what's out there. So I think you know if we. My, my opinion is always that you should do something with the intention it's going to make a change in people's lives and not just your own life and I always say to people in business if you're in it for the money alhamdulillah carry on but if you're in it for trying to serve people then it's a different ball game in the sector you're serving people you're, you're at Sheikh Hamas level I'm sure his intention without a doubt was to serve people because he, re- he saw the fact that we weren't getting what we needed um, and it's finding gaps in the market and that's why you know we need to invest in people who can actually go out and serve our community and, and, and help to lead them so yeah, you know for a 22 man I didn't have a clue. I was, you know, I was in debt. Um, had a lot of problems, a lot of major problems and I was in a, I was in a I was in a black hole to be honest at that time. But alhamdulillah, you know things happened and I remember that the first job I got, a proper job, up until then I was a, <clears throat> I was a disc jockey. Yeah, and during the day I used to sell jeans in the market, <laughs> and I also had a job at William Hill the bookies. I used to put, I used to put the the prices up on the board <laughs> before the television screens came in. And then I used to work in, at the weekend also as a job in a in a shop called High Poloi in Union Street.
1: I hey, <laughs> remember well, that. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that yeah, did <laughs> the, the, you used to shop there as well? Oh, we did. Yeah, I them. think you sold me a dodgy pair of flares <laughs> or something or something. And we've uh, been
2: stalking these people. Yeah, you go to, the did, yeah. you go to the restaurant. You go to the high. And you know everything happens for a reason. The funniest thing that where I found the job in the civil service I was standing at my dutch shop in Lark Hall, the daily jank. Yeah. And I used to have an English section. Civil service. People want to and luckily I had my A levels. Apply for it, got the job. Name, I, I thought, thought you, you would
0: have gone for the faith healer that can cure fifty different <laughs> 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 but, You know Do some rookie out on you. call yeah, uh, this uh, premium hotline.
2: <laughs> 1.50 a minute so, hotline. <laughs> you know what? I think it's not the best way to live life um you know but i think some of us it's just the way it was made for us we were just meant to take risks we were just meant to not have a plan and other people you know rightly so they sit down you know want to become a doctor i want to become this or whatever and they've got a plan in mind they're, they're working towards it from the day they're literally born but some of us you know what it just happened alhamdulillah and and, and it, you know it was, a, it was a throw of the dice and it just worked out um, a huge moment would you <clears throat>
1: Um. I, I, can I just, I, I've just got to say something Because when you were saying that I remember uh, something you said And uh, we, we said this off air And uh, oddly enough it was in your dad's restaurant And I met Na'im there This, was, how, how this, this is, you, this how is absolutely there? true <laughs> There must be a reason why you're sitting there But this happened in your dad's restaurant And there was a, I think you guys used to do Your dad used to have a kind of end of year Christmas party or something Like for the staff there was there was something uh, there was something right and I I was there and name was there and I remember something I didn't have a beard then he was wearing a suit very very different. Do
2: you know, my my brother-in-law used to work there.
1: And maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. <laughs> that's why I went. But, ah, is that why you were there? Right, <laughs> that's right, right. But I remember we were talking and no, but you so you said really something. Again.
5: <laughs> that's why
1: Sheikh left Glasgow. <laughs> <people>. <laughs> but no, but name said something that very much stuck in my mind then he said look success isn't driving your merc to the cash and carry even though we'd like to have one even though you'd like to have one now it it sounded quite good (laughs) no but you know but I but I I stuck in my mind even when you know when you did your program and I thought that you know I was listening to that and I thought you know when alhamdulillah you haven't been driving your mech to the cash and carry so that's you know it's a good sort of metaphor for
2: you know know, I mean it was, it's, you know, it's difficult to convince people around you. Yeah. Because your family judge you by how much money you're making, what kind of car you're driving, what kind of house are we living in. You know, look at them, they're doing so well. You know, so you have to, have to fight a lot of those battles. And to be honest, as I said, you know, everything was, was spurred at the moment. I remember when I was on the verge of leaving Islamic Relief at that time and I was, Osama Said had the Scottish Muslim Awards in Edinburgh.
5: Mm.
2: He asked me to go and host them. That was the defining moment for the next phase of my life because it, there was another charity, there was a charity there who had a live appeal on Islam Channel, and they said, look, can you present our appeals for us? Mm. That took my TV career off, mm. right? Um, and, and even the, the, the training company, it wasn't even me, they contacted something totally different from the NHS, and it went through two or three different loops before it came to me. I think, alhamdulillah, I think if you have the right intention that you want to you want to serve people, uh, you know, I think the good things come to you. Mm. And they come with blessings, because you're trying to make a difference <clears throat> on the people, not just your own life. And if your own life changes as a result of it, alhamdulillah. You know, it changes in this life and hopefully, inshallah, in the hereafter is is, is phenomenal. So, yeah, you know, success. What is success? We have to define success. Mm -hmm. Because sadly, we always look at success in this life. Um, And if you can make changes in people's life, you know, know, subhanAllah, talking about Radio Ramadan, you know, 21 years ago, Mm. I remember when we first launched, I remember sitting in that studio just where the man is sitting right now, Nobody had a clue what to do. And they said, it was myself, Noaz, Sajid, and Arud Siddiqui. The four of us at six o'clock in the morning. And we hadn't gone live. We meant to go live at 12 o'clock the night before. And there's a problem with the adverts or whatever. And said, so, oh, you, you know, you've done this disc jockey stuff before. You say something. <laughs> so, you know, the first thing I wanted to find out was who could hear us. And I remember the fellow saying, Shah was the first person to call. Where are you? West End. And Matt, I'll tell you, people were crying. Wallahi, people were crying. You could hear them on the phone. Say, so this, is, this is amazing. Mm. You've, you're going to change our lives. And people phone days afterwards. My children's lives have changed. They don't sit on the computer anymore. They're glued to listen to you guys. And we had letters coming in. So, you know, I think we have to, you know, similar to looking at this work, for, uh, uh, you know, idea. We yeah. have to look at things that are going to change our, our community's lives. And not just our community, but the community in, in large. What is it that we're going to do that's going to change people's lives? But, but mm. feel It's going to be a legacy that you leave behind, you know? But yeah. the
0: fascinating thing, name is I see people like Ramiz, right, Marshall. You know they've grown up with a very different internet's been there. You know everything's. Yeah. You know these sort of things. Perhaps they can't imagine the impact those sort of things had. You know to hear that. You know first Muslim's st- you know voice on radio because um, now you know social media and stuff. Everything is so accessible. And they remember. I remember people. I can't remember who, but they were discussing. You know, whenever a brown face used to come on TV, they'd call the whole family wow. round. Oh you know? yeah, absolutely. And even if it yeah, yeah. was, what, what was that one? Um, yeah. The, the language like, one Oh mind your language Oh mind your <laughs> language <laughs> So even if it doesn't paint The most You know Asian are good like, <laughs> I you know, it, People would get so excited Oh there's a uh, Pakistani Asian actor on TV And everybody Would get glued to that You know It's almost like I remember the uh, first you
2: know, ever uh, yes, Indian film It was Amar Barantani Came on BBC 2 hmm. And I'll tell you the entire Indian Pakistani community were glued to that channel that is night. That one
0: used to, to do 11pm or 2 in the yeah, morning Yeah, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning yeah, or something. Right. It
2: was phenomenal. Right. It was the first thing. And I think the first time I saw any kind of Islamic inverted music was Nasr Fatali Khan yeah. Puali, And it was on BBC Two. And it was like, wow. You know, this is just something else. You know, yeah. so there was those little markers in our community that took place. SubhanAllah. So Omar, um, Ramiza is a very good question.
0: Reminder to me, sorry. So so the
4: question, age, what would you
3: like <laughs> When you 22? Just for the benefit of the listeners. <laughs> when you were the, the age that I on. am now, which is 22, um, if you look back at like what you wanted to do then, do you think you've achieved your goals? Or do you think your life is completely different to what you were expecting at that time?
0: Okay,
4: very good question. I think um, for me personally, um, I think I was fortunate at that age when I graduated to have, uh, to have had the company of some very inspiring and, and good people at university, with the Islamic societies that, that were there, and a very uh, supportive family, so I think there was there was there was a telltale moment for me just after I graduated. I got a job. I stumbled into a CA training. I'm a chartered accountant by profession because I did accountancy, so I ended up in that space. But I had a job at um, three times the salary in investment banking, and I gave it up to to go into a CA uh, simply because I thought. You know, I was, I was a bit worried about going to the city although I'd worked in London over an internship I was worried about going to the city leaving the brothers and the community and, and family so I thought okay if I can delay it by three years I'll do that but what I did on my first salary was um, a few months down the road I don't know why I just decided I'm going for Hajj um, sure. mm. without any family members without any friends at all and um, this was back when Forces was doing the Hajj, which later became <laughs> you know, our, good, our good friends at not uh, Tours. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, it was a defining moment for me uh, personally. It was for uh, us as uh, well. I, I think uh, <laughs> uh, you've been like 20 times and it's still not defined. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it, it was for me at that point, I, I realized a lot in, in, in life about just two very simple things. Number one, is this this life is very, very short mm. right. We don't own our lives and whatever good you can do, as it says in Surah Kabut, will balance off against the negative things, the bad will blot out the, the bad deeds. So to me that was a defining thing and I realised from that point onwards and, and also in, in terms of my career, just just saying no to the money mm. early on allowed me to disconnect from the, the prevailing force in society today which is capitalism yep. most of us don't actually realise it <coughs> but we do a lot of things and name referred to it earlier as well about, about jobs and the Mercedes and so on and so forth but if you can dislocate from that from that capitalistic trap consciously or subconsciously all of a sudden you're liberated and you're free to pick things that you want to do and, and uh, as Sheikh Ridwan always says whatever you want to do if you do it with the right intention and with a uh, desire to seek perfection, excellence, esan in it, then you can go a long way. Mm. Uh, and alhamdulillah, that ended up guiding me into, uh, ended up working in Islamic finance. I became the youngest ever head of a department at Ernest & Young in London, being head of Islamic finance. And now, you know, people around the world contact me to mm. advise them, governments, funds, investment banks, everything to advise <coughs> them on Islamic <coughs> finance and banking. And I'm, you know, sometimes you laugh and you think, who are you, you <laughs> know, kind of thing. Mm. And you, you end up sitting, sharing platforms with, President, you know, former Prime Minister Mahathir, you're with the Amir of Kanu in, in, in Lagos. You're you with the United Nations. You, uh, you know, BBC FT come to you for comment, and you just reflect and you think this is, this is a bit comical. But for me, the main thing was to try, to tie my life, not my day job, because this concept is yeah. false, right? is to tie your life and the purpose of your life into something meaningful which can only be the akhira linked Mm -hmm. to the akhira otherwise there's nothing else meaningful in this dunya otherwise would never give even a wing of a a mosquito to the kafir so if you see through that and dislocate from this need for money and chase excellence money will chase you and you will survive and alhamdulillah there's been no coming in in, in my life my family have been extremely supportive. Yes, you've had to sacrifice things, but it makes zero difference because you don't actually value the Mercedes or anything else, frankly, afterwards because you realize it's all, all really irrelevant. So in a way, yeah, I think, I think now I ended up very much in, in, in a place that I would have thought. There's been plenty of challenges, plenty of shortfalls, plenty of things you wish you could do more of and do better, and you, you take on more challenges as you go through the cycle. But I think from that young age, it's very important because at your age, you graduate, everyone tells you you've got to get a career you got to make money, and you do, but you've got to do that to develop yourself, yeah. not for financial reasons exclusively, but to develop yourself into a person who can can build your own background and serve society, I would say. So that was just my, my personal experience um, in the journey.
1: Do you want to talk Okay, okay. I'll make this quick because I know we've got to go. But, so uh, yeah, just for listeners, yeah.
0: we're going to finish at three o'clock. We're supposed to finish at two, but okay. uh, we'll yeah. go for another 15 minutes and shall we round up and <laughs> and now we've got the technical side of things working as well. But mm. uh, I think Ramiza has asked a really good important question. So... Another 15 minutes or so, Zanadeem,
1: um. So, What was the question? <laughs>
3: <Sorry>. <laughs> Does anyone listen to the show? Old age. <laughs> it's, uh, it's old age. The question was, if you look back at yourself when you were my age, 22, yeah. five years um, ago. and what yeah. you wanted to do at the time where yes. you are now, do you think you've achieved yeah, your right. goals or do you think your life is completely different to what you were expecting?
1: Uh, I think I'm I'm um, listening to Naime, and I think I'm, I was diametrically opposite in that at 22 I had a clear plan of the things <coughs> I wanted, literally down to who I wanted to get married Hello to, socks. colour socks, maybe not quite, but, uh, I, the I, oh, they did send me a pair of socks in hoi Poloi. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> which I remember, by the way, you brought that name up, that, that's brought back a I, I from blast from the well. Um but no, I had, I was, uh, I had, I think I achieved 100% of what I wanted to achieve then, but, I say that with the proviso that I, I felt things were too structured so I think the first half of my life has literally been, you know, doing things that I felt I had to do. Mm. Now I want to do the things I want to do. Um, and and in fact, when I look back, and I think the things that weren't planned were probably some of the most fulfilling that actually gave me the most joy yeah. Yeah. Out of life. And, um, you know, whereas the other things were things that I felt I really had to do. I had no choice in the matter. So I think that's the thing. I, if I If I could go back to that, yeah. Twenty-two year old kids. I'd grab them by the neck and say, "Listen, you do have a choice, son. You do. You can do what you want to do. Uh, if that's what you want to do, you don't have to do <clears throat> what is expected of you." And, but Alhamdulillah, you know, um, uh, I'm happy. I've achieved all of that. <clears throat> but I I, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to doing other things. Uh, and like uh, Name says, I mean, the thing about doing things for others. Um, and something that's going to fulfil other people that's something, uh, I've got a few things in mind I'm looking forward to that
3: Doctor Man, <laughs> you've been kind of dodging the question, and passing it on to everyone else. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. time to you. From <laughs> just so, before that, though, yeah. so Doctor Man, is this is this like the beginning of a midlife crisis? Then that you've done everything for everyone else, and now you want to do your own thing? Do you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if that is a midlife. Is there, I don't know if that's what you call a midlife crisis. I don't want to buy it's America. Just a
1: crisis. I, I don't know why America You're constantly in crisis. But, I, but maybe you know. But you know, like the, you know, the, the whole thing about a crisis in Chinese, it's. Uh, it, it's actually seen as a good thing. It's a it's a it's seen as a also as an opportunity. The word for opportunity in crisis is the same thing, apparently. So I don't know. I think maybe you know I'm thinking like, okay, what do I want to do now with my life. So uh, yeah, it's
2: kind of open ended for me now. I think you get to a stage where yeah. the things you want to do, you got to do them.
3: Yes, you've got to yeah. get
2: them out of your system. I, mean, I remember yeah. coming back from I was in holiday went to southern Spain. Yeah. And uh, we're flying back. I ended up sitting next to this young kid and his father. Is said, where oh, We went to see Tottenham play against Seville. He said, all right. He said, you know what? I'm going through a midlife crisis. I said, what do you mean? He said, always wanted to see Tottenham play abroad. So yeah, this yeah. is it. He said, always wanted to get a private registration for my car. I said, and I said, you know, funny, I've got a few things in my head that I need to get done. <laughs> yeah. And he said, you know what? Do them. Because yeah, yeah. otherwise you'll always regret them. Yeah. Yeah, was, so that, was that not your drumming name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that was such, such a funny so story. So I always wanted to drum. I always wanted to play the drums that was the biggest thing in my life so I, think, well, I booked up I, I had a lesson it's oh, on the west end here yeah. I went to the shop downstairs wallahi it was the most frustrating <laughs> hour of my life and I just called it <laughs> you know what? Well, at least I tried you it, it. I, I, tried
3: you tried it. It. So you I used to do that yeah. before my Isaac days. <laughs> so Drumming. I was a drummer in a band before the Isaac really? days. Yeah, that was that was my like uh, part time work when I was in high school. I used to oh, wow. perform in gigs Brilliant. and stuff. So yeah, I've changed a lot since then. But um, now you play the duff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one side you don't know. <laughs> yeah. well, I would say though
4: I would say though, that that's mm. fine to do, you know, what you what you want to do. That's that's kind of okay, I get that, but you should be doing that in life anyway. But the most important thing is why. Why are you mm. doing this? Right. And that has to have a reference point because very quickly, after seven years of doing what you want to do or five <laughs> years or three years, you're going to get to a point. Yeah. Where this is going to become very circular if the why isn't there. Yeah. You know, and that's the most important piece.
2: I think, I think on that one note, the one fortunate thing for me in life, certainly since I left the civil service, I, I've never had a job mm. because for me, it was, and you mentioned this, it was a way of life. Mm. Everything I've done for the last 10 years was a way of life. I got up in the morning thinking, you know what, today's going to be a fantastic day. I'm going to change something in someone's life, whether it was to teach them what Islam was about, whether it was to, you know, the charitable sector. So I, I would say that anybody looking back at your age, get into something you want to get up for every single morning and think, you know what, this is fantastic. I want to do this. Otherwise, you you know, you live without regret and you only live once. Mm-hmm. Make sure that the course you're doing, the the life that you want, it's the one that is going to make you happy. But yeah. you know, Doctor Aman, let's
4: hear from you. Mm. Like I was going to ask another question. Dr. About yeah, yeah. Okay. Psychiatrists
2: see. always
1: I want, to want to dodge questions about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that about psychiatrists, they ask other people.
5: They ask them. Suddenly, time. oh, well, <laughs> no, I've got no, to go now. No, no, I, I think I just. No, uh, we want uh, to hear from Doctor Aman. No, no, that's mm. a, I,
0: I'll giving you my tuppence worth. I think it's very it's interesting to hear what you're saying, Nadim, because I think there's perhaps there's something about being in professions or about medicine, <laughs> but the thing is very linear. So when I was at, you know, 22, it, it was very structured. So I going to finish my uh, degree because I think it was in fourth year, that fourth, fifth year of university, and it would have been, okay, pursue a career, and that would have taken you, say, five to ten years, and then, you know, in that, get married. I think the, the angst that I had, particularly at university, was... Um, how do I balance what career I do and carry on? Because I was involved with community work back mm-hmm. then as well. And that was something that I was always struggling with. And when I was looking at what professions I was going to, you know, careers going into, you know, was it GP? Was it other specialties? Um, I remember asking a lot of scholars and said, what should I go into? Because I said, like, I could do GP. That will take me about three years, um, you know, get trained up and then just work and that'll give me time. Or if I do a specialty that's gonna be ten years of my life on calls, in hospitals, blah, blah, blah. Um, and is it worth the balance and then, you know some people would say, look, at the end of those ten years you could carry and get back into it but in Islamic work or whatever and, and I'd always wondered that, you know, that's a big ten years of your life, what you know, are you gonna survive those ten years? What's gonna happen? You know, a lot of people I'd seen that said, I'm gonna focus on career for a few years then I'll come back into it, never came back and did stuff. Yeah. So that that was the real challenge for me. What i found, Alhamdulillah, I mean, it's not been easier, you know, the whole struggle, you you know, a lot of you will know with exams and once you get married and balancing all of that, you know, it has been a struggle at times. But, I mean, I've kind of reached this stage, you know, around nearly 40 or, (laughs) uh, I I mean, things things tend to work out in the end, isn't it? And this is, you know, this, this trust in Allah's bigger plan for you because I know a lot of people Actually If you look back And say at the age of 17 Did you have Any idea Of what your options Were on the horizon And what you are going to do You know You kind of got channeled Into certain professions And you have no idea Even now You think back Gosh 17 like, Even when I know we're making A bit of a joke About your age Ramiz, But you know I always get quite inspired when I see young people that have got done something, you know, for you guys, and it's not to promote you, you know, sitting in front of you, but, you know, to get up and plan a sc- cycle trip from Scotland to Syria and raise 200 grand mm. is no mean feat. You know, there's something about, and probably a lot of that is blessing of your parents, actually, the way they've raised you, the mm. environment, you know, all of these sort of things. So, you know, even when I look at you I interviewed, and one of the fascinating things I found about doing these shows was actually understanding, and a lot of them The people were actually... Where they've ended up in life is not where they started, you know. And even with your name, right, you look at... This guy's not got a degree, right? He's never read a book in his life. But he's been to Hajj over 20 times, right? He's now, you know, achieved so much. You know, uh, things are, you know, comfortable for you financially, uh, uh, but also where you are. You're doing things that you want to do. You've got certain, you know, you've got a... You know, in your field... You know, this is a joke, you know, I mentioned it to Naim, and again, not to make you big-headed. You're very well known for your fundraising, right? Which you're very. You know, good. I
2: was in the Evening Standard the other week, and the guy introduced me as the godfather of fundraising.
0: <laughs> so, 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 so you're known okay. for your fundraising, right? I, I was very fortunate to visit Masjid Luxa, right? So I was sitting there, and we had this uh, hotel, mm-hmm. and I was sitting there, I think a lot of the Brits go to that hotel, and there's a beautiful view looking at Masjid Luxa. I was sitting there with, with my wife. And the owner came up, you know, and goes, oh, you would start oh. chatting. He goes, I've been to Britain. And I said, oh, right. He goes, where are you from? I said, Glasgow. And he goes, I'm looking at my Aqsa and thinking about the history, the centuries, the crusades. And he goes, do you know Naim brother?" And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like, oh, my God. I said, yeah, I know oh, him very wow. well. Oh, and he yeah. goes, so, wallahi, he's one of the best fundraisers in the world. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because I think he had been coming... To Manchester and other places sure. to raise funds for, for Jerusalem, you know. Is this and look, you know, you've achieved that. If things have worked out despite where you started, you know. And I think for a lot of people, even for, I guess for you, Ramiz, I'm kind of saying, you know, if you have that faith and confidence and the sincerity is there, mm. you, know, you know, have faith in Allah. Things will work out. And I think what <coughs> I I'm generally somebody who's quite uh, risk averse. You know, it needs to be quite you know steady, stable, thought out. These big jumps you guys made, Sheikh with you to. Mm. Give up this prompting career and say actually now Running I'm English going to take talking. it seriously. <laughs> uh, you know, for name to do it for Omar, you to leave your job. You know, and you guys, you know that takes a certain degree. I don't think I would have done that in age I, of twenty. I, I don't think, know if so I would are, still do are, that.
4: Are you where you think where you thought you would have been? Because I love the
1: way this like so, guy just keeps.
4: So,
0: um, s- <laughs> so I'm not where I thought I would be, but I'm very grateful that things have worked out better than what I. Where did you think you'd where be? Where did you think? I thought. Um, I thought it would we just. Uh, I thought I'd be in a different career
2: A different career? No, in terms
0: of a different specialty I was going to do surgery, basically oh, okay. Oh, okay. And then there was cool. something about change And psychiatry appealed to me And then, and I, when I started psychiatry I said, I'll give it six months mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, I'll do GP Because mm-hmm. psychiatry is one of the specials a bit love and hate mm-hmm. You either love it or you hate it. Some doctors mm-hmm. even, they, they find it really difficult mm-hmm. And so this aspect, that I found a specialty That I can then see there's a big need in our community As well as the wider community The stigma all of this, so I've kind of fallen into this area which Mm -hmm. actually, and every day is different, I get up, so you know it's very much that element that I think there's something I can contribute and that I think can help support other areas so that's where I've kind of fallen into that I think if I'd ended up as a surgeon I would have really been struggling at this age to say, look I've spent 15 years, done (coughs) dozens Uh of exams and say, am I doing anything different than any other surgeon could do? You yeah. know, I think that's what I perhaps would have struggled. It's not mm-hmm. to minimize what they do and etc. And I think people have got their own priorities. But for me, so that's what I mean. It's kind of turned out okay. Because at the age of 22, perhaps I wasn't going to go into psychiatry. I was just going to do a different thing. I think today. one of the
2: things about 22 years old, right, not everybody gets a degree. Everybody does well at school. And I think a lot of parents sometimes, you know, sit and struggle to think, you know, what's my son or daughter going to do? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I'd say to young people out there, parents listening, whose kids are not bright at school you know what, there's other opportunities. I mean, my, my boy Zen, for example, he did very well at school and then suddenly when he came to his highs, failed. But he still got into college because I liked him for, for whatever reason, went to interview. But at the end of the year, it took him a little bit longer, but he still got his degree. And now he's not only working, but trying to set his own business up. So young people out there, you know, you might not know what you're gonna do in life. Go with the flow, have the right intention, work hard and go for something you're gonna love. And it'll work hard in the end, inshallah. So people shouldn't sit there thinking, you know what? I've mapped this out. It didn't work out for me, or oh, my son didn't get these exams and all. We put so much pressure on our children sometimes to get degrees and all the rest of it. You know, we don't even think about the character, the company they're keeping, what else they might be really good at. So I think we, you know, we need to have an open. You know, and that's the thing about, about fight. fight. Everyone's got a talent, isn't that, that, that. it? Everyone and some is. of it will be creative.
0: Some of it will be yep. speaking. Some of it will be just working on your desk, doing stuff yep. in the background. Everyone, and, and I guess it's. That's what you need to find for yourself. It's I not trying to compare Sheikh yourself. Alain, you uh, uh,
2: uh, a few notes down there. <laughs> the one word, the one word that's really important, Risk is written for you. Is written for your children. You just need to find out where it's going to come from. Need, pushing.
1: I, I was going to say, you know, uh, recently I've been reading a lot about attachment and authenticity. And I think, you know, when we're younger we have a great need for attachment and doing the right thing so that we have those relationships with people, and we're we kind of like people pleasers but there comes a point where you have to be true to yourself and authentic now some guys discover it earlier, and I think the Sheikh and yourself discovered that earlier really very, very late.
2: late well really okay, but you I was know you when I realized what I was going to end up doing well that really ended okay up something that I enjoyed well. That was only about ten years ago. Okay, Up until then I was in. A well, mashallah. I mean, that
1: that that's great. I mean, because I mean, for me, I I'll be honest. You, you, know, you said you're risk averse, and I don't know whether a lot of doctors are like that. But I think I probably didn't Must take enough
2: risks. Spend their life studying to get there.
1: Yeah, but you know, you, you get you get you get tracked into a track, and you kind of yeah, you have to go. You, 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 you have to go with it where it takes you. Uh, but I think this thing about being authentic. Uh, and I think somebody else was saying about... I think it comes back about coming back to yourself. Uh, there's some kind of circle of life where you come back to yourself, come back to what you are. Um, so I think that that's important. And some people maybe get a sense of that earlier.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. But so a few minutes to three o'clock. I think it's been a really fascinating discussion. I've certainly benefited from it. We've covered so many different topics. Some of the quizzes, from some of the get questions to each other, to this real, you know, great idea about you know establishing rock and really trying to think about how do we institutionally move the community, you know, forward where we want it to be in the next few decades. I think reflecting on ourselves as well, and I guess you know uh, ambitions, etc. In life, I wanted just as we conclude, Sheikh, um, actually, let's go around just a final few words for people have for <clears> the <throat> listeners and for any reflections, because you know. Although it's been a bit light-hearted today You know, it is a bit of sadness That, you know, for many people it is the end of Ramadan Which has been uh, such a blessed month So maybe just a few words from everyone And then Sheikh, if you could just close uh, Maybe with a short dua as well So I'll just start from my right uh, Umar, um, any final words for the listeners?
4: No, I think um, You know, uh, I, I we have new year's resolutions so i always take uh ramadan as the opportunity for, for me personally to do my new year's resolutions we do our annual zakat and everything during that that month so uh, i would just encourage everyone to um uh, start afresh and it sets you know two things one or two things that you want to do one or two things you don't want to do and uh <clears throat> go for it um you know we really can uh, use the momentum from this blessed month to to improve ourselves and to uh, have a more positive fulfilling life so alhamdulillah uh, looking forward to to that going forward and really to everyone here at radio ramadan for the great work you've done mm-hmm. and and all the workers who's supporting in the mosques at the radio stations everywhere it's a really tough month you know 20 hour fast yet you guys are up doing programming running back from from livingston and 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 to 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 be on air so mashallah really really well done to all of you malas accept all of your efforts and inshallah look forward to one day where we all Sit together in Jannah and do a radio program. That would be Mm. that would be beautiful. Um, Radio Jannah, yeah. (laughs) Nain can be in charge of uh, the
2: raising fundraising. (laughs) I just want to go off on a tangent, as I normally do. Um, I think you know my message is is beyond Ramadan. Whatever you do in your life, because we have been talking about life, is to make sure that you leave behind a legacy. That's the intention. And uh, it's actually fantastic to walk in here every year for a day or so or half a day or an hour to meet somebody and not actually recognise any of the faces. That's something we built 21 years ago and you come in here and they don't know who you are, you don't know who they are. So I think, you know, whatever you do, do it with the intention that you're sowing the seeds for somebody else, for the next generation or for the year after somebody else is gonna take over. And it's a beautiful reminder, one of the, the uh, a man went to, you know, to a sheikh and he said, don't, so I'm going to build a mosque And the sheikh said Well what if after you've built the mosque Somebody else says uh, They built it How would you feel So I feel terrible So don't build it then So make sure the intention Of whatever you're building Whether it's a physical building Or a project Or whatever you're putting together You're doing it for the reason That you know what It's not only to please Allah But it's to ensure That the community is served Because of it And somebody else will come over And do a better job than I can So inshallah I hope that you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Accepts our intentions uh, As to the reason why We do these things and I think we've spoken a lot about service and a change in our community. And I think that's one of the biggest things we need to do. We need to put structures in place like Radio Ramadan and other institutes that will not only serve our community, but actually produce people. And I think Radio Ramadan itself has produced some phenomenal individuals over the years. And I think every year people that get involved, they go away change, Alhamdulillah.
3: I think uh, Naim maybe took some of my point there. So what I was going to say is that, um, you to to that? Uh, no, this isn't notes. This uh, the Eid's oh, timetable, which I go through. He's gonna Actually, Naim, you time. can do it before we go one last oh, time. God, um, but um, <laughs> a lot of kind of a lot of different Hadith books. The first page you open up, the first Hadith on it will be in the that. Actions are by intentions, and I think when it comes to everything we're doing, what we're talking about here earlier on the show as well, you just need to make sure that that is you know intention is everything. Um, intention can make what 's seen as a good deed or good act actually be sinful for yourself and vice you know you can make what could be seen as a mundane normal act an act of worship for you as well um, and I think that 's still the way you 'll have true success in life i know i'm i 'm all the twenty two so i 'm not going to tell people how to have a successful life, but I think from what i 've learned so far as well that intention is the most important thing no i
1: just uh, I just want to say uh every Ramadan uh, i mean this Ramadan has just has been amazing for me because I think i 'm I feel like I'm a different person coming out of Ramadan than I Not did sure, going in. So, for me, this is. Is that
2: just a weight loss?
1: <laughs> but I, I, it has been something transformative for me, and you know, name saying about uh, the community. I mean, Radio Ramadan really here. This has been for me uh, a real practical example of something that is developing, continuing, that people continue to develop from. So Alhamdulillah, I think, you know, it's, it's always a, a, a honour for me to be involved mm-hmm. in some way. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, and it, it's it's wonderful to see everybody else coming in, you know, people much younger, people actually older as well, uh, I've got to say, you know, uh, learning from them. So Alhamdulillah, what a fantastic resource. And... What can I say? Um, let, let's hope that many more of these kind of con- projects continue.
0: Exactly, um, Sheikh. Final few words from yourself, and if you could close uh, with a do as well. But for myself, because I'd like your voice to be last on the show. Exactly. Here to everyone, all the producers, everyone else has been helping out with the Cradle to the Grave show and with the Desert Island uh, Gems, etc. And for all the guests and for all the listeners as well. But Sheikh, please, um, final few comments and thoughts, and if you could end on a dua. Okay.
5: So, Alhamdulillah, Assalamualaikum With three Ramadan come to an end, we've been obviously discussing lots of things um, over the weekends. We've been me, me and yourself have been talking about many difficult topics. I think, um, and all the other shows. There's been lots of discussion uh, going on, and I would say that uh, with Ramadan. Um, and as you're saying that It seems so quickly that the month is gone This is a, an indication That um, life is, is, is passing And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, Is teaching us in every moment that we live If we just pay attention And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Time and time in the, in the Quran itself Tells you to look around yourself Look at creation Look at the signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has put everywhere uh, وفي, and fusiko, Even in yourselves don't you see even in yourself if you reflect within yourself so there's there's lessons to be learned everywhere and what we've been talking about tonight is about learning lessons from each other um, and li- life is a uh, an ongoing process of of learning teaching learning teaching experiencing falling down picking yourself back up again success failure it's all part and parcel of growing as a as a human being but as that is happening just like a uh, like a tree grows or a flower grows, eventually dies, eventually uh, withers away to make space for other flowers to come. And similarly, you know, we're sitting next to a young young person um, who is is the next generation. And one day, inshallah, if he lives long enough, you'll get to our age and we will move on. And then there'll be other people sitting next to him, at, at, you know, at the age he is. So this is in part and parcel of the the nizam or the system that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made. And um, one of the most beautiful things I remember that Sheikh Samir uh, actually taught us, I remember he said "He said that when, you, when, you, when you're wearing clothes and you need to get new clothes, why do you need to get new clothes? Because no matter what you wear, eventually uh, the the, the colour will fade. it um, might get a hole or something might happen and you need to replace it. He goes, if you look in the mirror, as you get older, you'll get white hair. So he goes, everything around you is telling you that nothing lasts. Nothing lasts Your clothes don't last You don't last Your hair doesn't last Nothing lasts forever Everything's fleeting And it reminds me of the verse In Surah Rahman uh, وَكُولُّ مَنْ عَلَيْهَا فَانَ That everything on the earth Is diminishing وَيَبَقَى رَبُّكَ, رَبُكَ ذُوَ الْجِلَالِ وَالِكْرَامِ And uh, وَيَبَقَى wajhu رَبِّكَ ذُوَ الْجِلَالِ وَالِكْرَامِ And the countenance of Allah or the essence of Allah Will remain And that's the thing That everything is fleeting Everything is disappearing and as this month has gone this is another month of ramadan which is left and in a couple of months it will be the new year the islamic new year another new near year will come in another year of our life has passed and this is a, this is what's going to happen for as long as we're on this earth and we don't know how long we're here for it could be a few years could be a bit more than that but one thing is is definite is that i am one month closer to my death than i was before ramadan so Time is running out. Time is not on your. It's not on your side. It is running out. It's about what you choose to do with that time which is left. Whatever's in the past is gone. You cannot change it. Whatever is coming in the future, we don't know. What you have is the present, and this is why they, they say that you should be a uh, ibn al That you should, you should be a son of your time. In other words, get on and think about what is it that you need to be doing right now. What is it that Allah has asked you to do right now? Whatever's gone is gone. The, the future may come, it may not come, but don't overtly worry too much about the future. Just concentrate on the immediate. What are my immediate responsibilities to God and uh, my religion? And that obviously includes looking after your family and so on. But what are my responsibilities? And just focus on that and everything else. Um, don't uh, give it too much weight because, as you know... Um, uh, these things can can weigh you down if you overthink them, and that and also we uh, as we leave this month we have a certain sadness that uh, Ramadan is over. I mean, just now we're in the first of Shawwal. The the actions that we do now are nothing compared to yesterday. Yesterday would have been multiplied, multifold. As we know, the Shayateen are have been released. There's lots of things which you will uh, feel different uh, from this from from tomorrow. Uh, from today and tomorrow. But the important thing is to uh, be appreciative that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave you the opportunity of living to see another Ramadan. You hope and you pray that you'll get the opportunity to see another Ramadan. And you hope, uh, you have this hope that you've, inshallah, been forgiven. One of the reasons or one of the wisdoms of celebrating Eid, they say Eid al-Fitr, is that what are you celebrating? You're celebrating the hope. That your sins have been forgiven in Ramadan And if Allah forgives you Then you have every right to be celebrating And that's really what our hope is We have more hope in the generosity of our Creator than our deeds So we just hope that we've done something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with And He's overlooked our sins And so uh, departing, just uh, we will depart with the du'a That the Prophet sallallahu sallam taught Sayyidina to Aisha A very short du'a Everyone should um, learn this du'a Make it after every prayer Make as much as you can. I'll repeat it three times. Uh, many of us have been doing this, but it's a very simple, short du'a, and it sums up um, Allah's asking Allah's forgiveness. Allahumma <laughs> innaka 'afouun, O oh Allah, you are the one who uh, wipes out deeds. afwa uh, You love to do this. You love to wipe out deeds, uh, uh, bad deeds, and therefore anni. Uh, so therefore, just wipe these sins away. Allahumma innaka 'afouun. And lastly, we ask Allah to look over our deficiencies as human beings. You always say things, do things which are not um, appropriate. Um, we hope that um, he looks over those deficiencies, accepts our actions, because it's, like one scholar said, it's not... So important, the action itself What's more important is that it gets accepted Because you could do many actions but they don't get accepted So we always ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala For acceptance And lastly, um, saying that if We're all going to leave this world We all pray and hope and wish for each other That we have the tawfiq When we depart from this world Our last words are La ilaha illallah muhammad rasulullah Sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Wa alihi wa sallam Tasneem kathira rabbil